everybody. Welcome to Big Dumb Monsters. I'm Nick, and Chris isn't here. I'm uh, recording the intro from the from the editing suite, if you will. Um, we had a great show. Uh, we have a great show. We were watching uh, Trick or Treat, special guest, uh, Ryan J. Murphy from Your Horror Show. If you are into uh, horror audio dramas, you definitely, definitely need to check out that show. Um we had a little bit of a technical hiccup in this episode. Chris and I sound doubled. It was like a weird echoey effect. Uh, Arthur sounds great. Ryan sounds great. The episode is, is definitely listenable. Uh, and there's a lot of really great stuff in it. Uh, fantastic guest this this uh, week. Probably, probably my favorite guest. Um, yeah, great stuff. Um, just get, get through the... Uh, the weird echoey sound effect and, and and there's a great episode in here so we sort of watch trick-or-treat and review it mostly talk about everything else as per usual uh big dumb monsters talking about trick-or-treat <laughs> Comedy of errors that is our tech setup continues, folks. That's all good. No worries. No worries. <laughs> there we go. Not to my part, but I can't imagine how bad this would be if you didn't have a third set of hands just to click things. It'd be the yeah. worst. Yeah. No, it would be video of us like scrambling right now, like looking at the camera, really puzzled. Like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm off. Here. I didn't see that. <laughs> I don't think we would ever have a video interview ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, thank you, thank you so much for joining us, man. Tonight. We have Ryan J. Murphy of the Your Horror Show podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm almost caught up. I'm like two episodes behind. I'm digging it. I, I, thank you so much, guys, for for allowing me to be here. Chris, Nick, you guys' uh, podcast, I, I I enjoy as well. I've listened to, I was, I, I don't know who was I was talking to on the IG, but I was saying I, I'd, I'd already listened to at least three to four of the episodes. Uh, yeah, and I just, I appreciate you guys shouting, shouting the, the program out when you guys did. And uh, just, yeah, appreciate being here and talking, talking awesome fucking horror movies. Hell yeah. Uh, that was mostly me, by the way, on Instagram. Yeah, it was it was me at first, and then I, I was out of town the last couple of days, and Nick picked up the slack for me. Yeah, yeah. awesome, awesome. <laughs> um, I was well, actually the one that shouted you out. We have a link to. Sh- I was gonna say, do we have a link to share this? Because I'll reshare this on my IG right now too. If you oh, send me a just uh, you share our Instagram, our, our, our Twitch, Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Big Dumb Monsters. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That'd be awesome. Um. Yeah, yeah, I found, found your show. show. I, I want to say it was a Reddit post. Uh, like nice. Show had... Oh, yeah, on Reddit audio drama. Yeah, yeah the, the show, show hadn't come out yet. Yeah. And uh, I, I saw um, your post there and went over to um, to look at all the um, pictures and shit that you had posted on Instagram. And the art style is what, what dragged me in. Um, it's just so good. Just that old school. Yeah, I got to credit. Vibe. I got to. 
I got to credit my guy Ghostly, who does all the artwork for our show. He's um he's a really fantastic artist. You can look him up at a uh, Ghostly Ink Company on IG and on his website. And um, he's just really amazing at getting the style right of that like that EC Comics kind of twenties to forties style. And, yeah, it's so um, that's yeah, it's yeah, it's just awesome. And he just does such a great job of uh you know customizing every cover and and making it feel kind of like a you know, a Tales from the Crypt kind of homage, which is like one of my favorite shows of all time. And um, yeah, yeah, we we we've talked about Tales from the Crypt a lot on this episode. We keep we keep uh, like we have this fictional Patreon that one day we're actually going to make real. It's going to be like the best Patreon ever with all these different shows. But the one we keep talking about is uh, is the Tales from the Crypt show. Like we could we go down that rabbit hole for a long, long time. Yeah, Just yeah, it's funny, it man. It's <laughs> Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I have the box set DVD set, uh, which now feels like it's the. I mean, I think they're all on YouTube, but they're really porous quality. Um, but the um, the show was just so awesome because of how many great, amazing guest stars they always had, and like the the, the obviously the writing and uh, you know just borrowing from the comics, and then the directors that they had, you know, Zemeckis and um, Richard Donner, yeah, like. Richard Donner, yeah, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger doing an episode, and yeah, I mean it's 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 like a who's who of like just incredible um, talent working on that show, and um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if we'll ever see it again, man. It's just mired in rights bullshit, and um, yeah, the it's, licensing it's, is, it's, is, is you know yeah, it's all the licensing stuff. One one person controls the EC Comics, and then one person controls the Crypt Keeper, and then one person controls the show, and so. Shyamalan tried to reboot it a couple of years ago and he I guess got one of them on board but he couldn't get the other people on board and they all like hate each other so yeah, I big, I don't know part when of that was like HBO didn't technically own it right the HBO just correct showed it. exactly like they had like yeah. viewing rights yeah so it's a mess and um it sucks because I feel like if they rebooted it now and and really did it the way the show was it would be a, a smash hit again because I don't think we really I like Creep Show. I think it's fine. Um, it's it's. I think it lacks the um, just kind of lacks the punch that like Tales from the Crypt had. I think having like a, a talkative host like the Crypt Keeper is just so essential for a show like that. Yeah, I think and, this is um, the thing that's it. It really pulls it together. Like I, I just for some reason I like on paper Creep Show. I should love. I I, just, I watched the first season and I just completely checked out. Yeah, like I, I've I've watched bits and pieces. Like you, I've watched the whole. I did watch the whole first season, then I watched bits and pieces of second and the third. And I was like, it's fine. Yeah, it's it, it it scratches like a certain itch if I want some anthology horror, but it's not my favorite thing. I thought Cabinet of Curiosities was really fun. Um, yeah, it was really some good. of the stories a little too long, but I thought that they were they were, it was like a, a good overall production. And then Black Mirror for me is just it's like hit or miss. Like I either love it or I I just hate the episode. Yeah. Um, and um and those are kind of run a little long but tales from the crypt was just like perfect like of uh, that that 25 minute little fucking you know thing really high production quality really fun gory yeah. um I, I really love that and, and twilight zone's my other you know peak uh anthology series, what did you think of the the reboot of twilight zone i i thought it, didn't it missed do much for me but i thought it missed a massive opportunity to to i i think peel was right on the money a good person to like do that mm -hmm. but i think that i was talking it's funny enough i was at a, a party last night and i was i was talking to somebody about this very thing and i said the the major problem with the reboot of the twilight zone was the length 
the, the original series, the episodes are 20 to 25 minutes. They work really well in those short little snaps. When you drag it out to 45 to an hour, it really just, you feel the weight of like where the episode's going. And you're like, yes, I understand. I'm, this is going to be a twist and this person's going to get it. Yeah, it's cut to the chase. But, but you kind of, you, you know the cliche already rather than when it's like snappy, you get in and out, it can hit you a little bit harder and you're like, um. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. I like that. Um, and so I thought that they missed a missed opportunity with with doing it that long. And I also just thought Peel was involved, but he really, really wasn't involved all that much. And I think that was a huge mistake. He needed to truly be involved in the show. I think for it to really work. Yeah, I think he was just like executive producer on that. So uh, he yeah, maybe had a little. And bit And then of obviously input, the host. Yeah. Portion, but yeah, yeah. Um. You probably get asked this a lot, but what is your what's your what do you think is your favorite app of Tales from the Crypt? Oh my god, man! Um, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. I get I get every Halloween season. I do watch the episode. I think it's called Only Skin Deep, um, and it's the the episode where this guy goes to a Halloween party and he's like an abusive kind of like misogynistic asshole. And he's like, goes there and he, he meets his ex who is like, wants nothing to do with him. And then he meets this woman in the kitchen and she's wearing like a corpse outfit. And he's like all into her and she's like really weird and, and kinky. And they end up going back to this really dilapidated kind of odd place where they have sex. And he's like kind of still stays there, but he hears people coming in and out. And like the twist is, is that she is actually a corpse and that she's been murdering all these people. And like, I, it was just, it's, it's so great to watch around Halloween and the makeup effects on her, especially just awesome. And then of course he meets like a grisly awesome death at the end. So I, I always watch that one and I love it. And um, I think the other one, the other one I watch every year is, is uh, an all through the house, uh, the Christmas episode, which I think is absolutely oh, yeah. Yeah. perfect. That's, that yeah. is a classic. So that, that one is just so much fun. Um, for me, I'll say the, um, I forget the title, but the Morton Downey Jr. episode where he's like, Oh yeah, that one's fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah. That one scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. The the haunted house one? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he has like a talk show and he's like, he's like like going through the house with the camera and he keeps catching all these like crazy things. That one is honestly a classic as well. That, that is, that's in the top five. I love that episode too. That one's a really, really good one. I think I gotta go with the, again, I, I forget the title, but the the Arnold Schwarzenegger one uh with the yeah the I love that one I love that one parts oh yeah yeah it's just yeah he's like he's like continually getting better looking but he keeps the same voice and like yeah. I, it's so funny it's he winds up really broke guy. and you know it's the your classic morality tale twist and that's just what makes it that's what made Tales from the Crypt so good is that you know it wasn't just gore and shitty for the sake of it like it was trying to teach you a lesson at the same time yeah, yeah. through the gore and the and the, the raunchy behavior i did also love the episode uh it's called um i think it's called um what is it like only something in, in brass hearses or something like that but it's the episode with um oh my god why am i blanking on his name right now he's been in so much stuff it has brad duroff and um oh my god he was in aliens uh game over man game over why am i blanking? oh bill paxton bill, bill paxton has bill yeah. it has bill paxton <laughs> It has a it has Bill Paxton and Brad Dourif in it, and they play like brothers, like kind of idiotic, stupid brothers, and that they like had 
a thing, they had a drug thing with this ice cream man who they end up killing, and it turns out he has a twin brother, and like it's they're they're like joined at the hip, and like it's really disgusting. Oh, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen that one. Oh, you know, it was another great one. Was the um the Bobcat Goldthwait Don Rickles one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where Don Rickles is like the the famous ventriloquist, and yeah. like, Bobcat Goldthwait is jealous and like. Isn't he like he? Yeah, because he's got like the, the form Siamese twin, right? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He finds out like either his secret is like yeah, the the, the dummy is like his uh, his Siamese twin. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was again the the episodes are so good when they're just like disgustingly gross and yeah. they're like you know like you have those like you have like you said you have the morality tale but you also have the the horror aspect of it was so awesome because you really had those like very visceral gory awesome effects that they did in like all of those episodes yeah i feel like that it it targeted two audiences so like the gory stuff and the the debauchery was for the kids the horror kids the, the horror kids, kids yeah. who shouldn't have been watching it and then like your more mature kind of uh message was in there for the adults to catch on to so it made it more interesting the older you got which is is crazy how like you know, a quote unquote like gory horror show can be so universal. I I couldn't agree more. I I, I think that I, I mean, growing up, it was for me. It, it, I and I felt like maybe as kids we had more access to anthology horror than than we do now. Oh sure, um, yeah, we definitely. Had, we had Tales from the Crypt. I I remember watching at times. I remember watching Tales from the Dark Side, which I still think has one of the scariest intros of all oh, time. So good. Um, yes. Uh, um, monsters I remember, I remember too monsters yep i remember are you afraid of the dark was like key gateway horror for me i loved yeah. that show growing up 100 um uh goosebumps unfortunately um, we had freddy's nightmares <laughs> yeah, yeah freddy's nightmares yep yep and friday then, the 13th um, the series oh, that was bad too. the series we we also had the remake of the outer limits we also yes. had that as well yep yeah um and then and then um I don't know if you guys remember Erie, Indiana, which ran for like one season. Yeah, it was on NBC. Yeah, I, I have seen yeah. a few episodes of it, but I wasn't like a, a I, I never knew it when it was live. <clears throat> yeah, it was one of those shows that it was it was odd. But again, it was like the anthology set in the town, but it was the same people. It was a kind of it was a little bit like ahead of the curve in the vein of doing an anthology that was centered or still around main characters, but it wasn't you know it was like obviously a new a new story happening in the town every time type of thing right i think going like way way back the thing that got me started on this kind of stuff was there's actually two shows and it would have been in search of with leonard nimoy yeah oh that's good yep and unsolved mysteries <laughs> oh unsolved mysteries was great yeah i mean it it's they, they brought it back right didn't they do a remake they of that? did, they and did. It's, it's not as good because you don't have robert stack's voice scaring the absolute bejesus out of you <laughs> yeah his voice really did sell it it really did it really did <laughs> i feel like also the remake if i remember correctly because i think i watched it it didn't the music didn't really affect it as much as the original where it was like yeah. a cool synthy like yeah <laughs> it's cool synthy theme yep that was in there like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um we'll we'll get we'll get we'll get more into uh into the podcast a little later we'll get to the when we get to the crap shoot we actually did pick a movie for this episode we, yeah. we should probably talk about the movie a little bit um actually we didn't pick the movie 
That's right. Uh, yeah, Ryan picked the movie for this episode, which is funny because it was on our list. Like it was like, yeah, we were dead set on doing this. I think next week was the original. No, last week we oh, were. Was, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. it was last week. Um, we had to switch up uh, the schedule a little bit, but yeah, yeah. perfect timing. Um, yeah, no, we picked trick or tr- uh, Ryan picked trick or treat. Um, we were talking about this uh, before we started recording. This is um, the second time I've seen this movie. First for me, yeah, right. Uh, Nick said it's his first time seeing this movie. Wow, this is your first time first seeing time. the movie. Yeah, I was oh a my vir- god, I'm I was so excited. <laughs> I am so excited. It's it is it is. I'm not exaggerating. It is one of the, not only one of the best Halloween movies of all time. Uh, it is one of the best horror anthologies, like film anthologies of all time. I really do. I believe that. I think it's in the top, borderline top three for sure, top five. Um, and it, it is just. It's so good, and I I'm, love the I'm way it was shocked filmed. we don't have a sequel to it yet. Yeah, I, I think they are working on it. It's been like been you know they're working on it for yeah. a long time now. Yeah. Well, um, it was funny because I went I went to a screening of it um, at uh, I live in Los Angeles, and so I went to a screening of it at the what theater was it? I forgot. It was during it was during Beyond Fest, and it was. Um, uh the 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 main director i'm blanking director writer was there um uh, and he michael doherty people were asking him about it what was that michael doherty michael doherty did doherty yeah yeah he was there super nice got a picture with him told him how much i love the film and um and he was very appreciative towards everybody and we were saying you know people were asking when when is there going to be a sequel and he's like We'll see. Yeah, he's like, I don't know. He's like, this. It's been kind of trapped in in development hell for a long time, and it's hard to get things greenlit. And um, he's like, but it's, it's screenings like these that hopefully show people that there's still a you know an appetite to do another one. But he, um, I think he absolutely crushed this film. Just crushed it. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny how this movie is actually mainstream and cult at the same time yeah mm-hmm. like this is the most cult movie that you could possibly get but at the same time you a major walk audience into like you know hot topic or even like probably walmart Target. you can yeah. get walmart yeah. pop figures of sam yeah it's, it's crazy, crazy. <laughs> it, it has become like a horror icon which is insane because it was a, a direct dvd uh it never got like a theatrical run uh, and yet it's everywhere yeah and like, like as, right, as far as the quality, like it is really that good. Like we were saying how good it is. Usually like, in an anthology, there's always like one or two like weak links in like one of the stories. Everything here like clicks, everything works, and everything, it all flows together like really perfectly. Now it's it's one of those perfect anthology films where the, what I love about it is is that no, for me the two rules of anthology have to be you either need to have a host that connects the segments together in the world that you're playing in, or it needs to be a, like a town or, or, or a conceit, right? Like VHS does that the idea that everything is VHS found footage, right? That's their conceit yeah. to tie all the anthology together. But with trick or treat, what I love about it so much is they use the town as like, Oh, this is the setting, the backdrop. It's all on Halloween. But then Sam is kind of interwoven in all of the stories still, even if it's just very minor, um, and obviously he gets kind of his own story at the very end. And he's such a fun character that I think that they kind of did the thing perfectly of combining those two things in anthology and making it just work amazingly well. And then, and the, the amount, the amount of just incredible actors in this, I mean, it's, it's just yeah. filled to the brim with talent. The, the, yeah, the cast is really, really good. Even the people you don't know, their quality, um, special effects, 
insanely good because it was uh, practical. Like it was Greg Totopoulos. Okay. Uh, and if you watch, you know, like the Underworld movies, he's the guy that did all the werewolves and stuff. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The the way it was filmed and put together, like it almost doesn't feel like an anthology. It feels like you're just watching separate parts of a night, but you can really dissect it and put it into chunks. So there's this story, there's this story. Like, you could separate all of this and watch four different movies, four different short movies. Yeah. You'd be totally fine. But the way they interweave everything and it all connects at the end is just, like, classic, classic filmmaking. Well, it's like you guys said, too. It's like it still touches on morality with almost every one of the tales, too. So it's oh, like sure, there's yeah. still a morality aspect throwing through it with the the bus driver and the kids and then you have the bus driver at the end and then you have the the serial killer dad and then you have the you know the girls and the the, the you know the what what are they becoming like i don't know it's all just very it's classic anthology done in a very smart fun way and like you guys said that the effects work is fantastic the cast work is fantastic um and it's it's one of those films that like it never got a wide release. And again, that screening was completely sold out for Beyond Fest. Everybody and everybody knew it. And it's, I think it's also, it's just really funny too. It's a fun movie. Like in terms yeah. of it doesn't play it too serious. Um, the gore is obviously serious. The kills are, but it's a fun movie as in, oh, this is funny. Like I love like, you know, these characters doing this stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a blast. If you, yeah. I mean, if you just look at it at the, the very surface level, which is totally fine to do too, it's tits and gore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, and totally. that it works on that level. You go a little deeper, you get good acting, good filmmaking, you know, all this stuff, and it works there too. Like you can't really like, you can't really knock it for what it's doing because it knows that it's, you know, kind of a, a a popcorn movie, right? Like it's not trying to be overly serious, and it's not, it's not a downer. It's not like a depressing horror movie. It's fun. It knows that it's fun. It's light. Um, and you can just kind of enjoy the ride. Yeah. Which it's not it's not all that often you get a horror movie that rides that line between like, yes, it's a little dark, it's a little serious, but it's mostly fun. And fun is where a lot of people lose it. They'll go like overboard and get super cheesy and it's not it's it's just right. Yeah, and the I think it's again I would argue it is one of the most perfect Halloween time viewing films. Like it is, it is all about Halloween. The opening segment is all Halloween to the max. Yeah, um, and it's it's super fun. And then just the whole movie really just reeks of that spookiness. Like it's a it's an every year watch for me. I, that's that's always one that no matter what I will be watching it in October at some point, whether it's towards the end or the beginning or the middle. But every time I'm like. Yep, trick or treat's happening. You got to get one in. Yeah, it's like my <laughs> wife is obsessed with the movie Hocus Pocus, and you know, as much as I, you know, am, am completely burned out on it, you have to argue that it is an amazing Halloween themed movie. Like it's great in October. Also, this is produced by Brian Singer, so that's like, yeah, also a plus stuff there. Um, yeah, it's it. Yeah, it I was really going to say too. Fits. It's funny. It, it's funny you you mentioned that about Halloween viewings of just certain things. It, it's it's funny when we move into October as horror fans, I feel like we move into a different field of like we want to watch 
things that are really specific to this month. Like yes. certain things we save all year. I, I save the thing all year for this month. I save like trick or treat all year for this month. Uh, like you said, Hocus Pocus is one that people are going to watch this month. They're going to watch. Halloween. I watch like all the black and white, all the black and white Universal films oh, yeah. this yeah. month. Like I, it's all about the atmosphere, right? I want, I want like that spookiness prevailing throughout my entire, to my my entire viewing experience. Yep, I actually. There are there are movies that I I tend to watch more in October than any other time, which is exactly what you're saying. Like uh, last night, I sat down with my family and showed them the thing, which that's fucking is weird. Awesome. You just mentioned the thing, Ryan. You just mentioned the thing. I also watched the thing today. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. It's a feature length ad for J and B Scotch, and it's amazing. <laughs> But yeah, my uh, my nine year old was a little freaked out. Like it, 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 it might have been a hair too intense for him. Uh, like when you get to the scene with like the dog, you know, splitting apart and all like the big gore effects. Yeah, he was the, the whole eyes thing, a bit. the whole thing holds up though so well. Oh, I so mean, it good. holds up so freaking well. Like it, it really is one of those. It's, it's the, the gold, gold standard for practical effects. It really is. It holds up so incredibly well. Like it, I watch it every time, and I'm just like, man, it's a great movie. Just a yeah. great movie. Like yes, you know the 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 fractal flex, the gore, all that. But man, at the at the heart of it, just fucking the awesome story. Movie. Just a yeah. great film. The 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 stress and the paranoia and everything like that. It, like it's no matter how how many times you watch it, you're still gonna feel it. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I love it so much. And that's that's a yeah. Like I said, that's a spooky season watch no no matter what i just re i, re I recently rewatched phantasm 2 as well hadn't seen that a long time and man oh man that movie fucking kicks i love that I movie so much so two was two the one you couldn't find forever it was two or three yes yeah was yeah two? that's yeah. two is the one you can't find forever i actually went to amoeba and i found it and i bought it on oh, um, on dvd and it is dude the practical effects in that are fucking awesome so yeah. good i haven't seen that in a long time i i used to watch the first one a lot uh, just Angus Scrim as the tall man was just like the the most fun, ridiculous villain ever. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I, like I said, two two for me is like it's like Evil Dead Two status where they they had way more money to make it, and so they made this just yeah. bombastic, fucking crazy movie. Yeah. Um. And um. And the the effects work in it is so good. Like it really blows kind of one out of the water in that in that range. So I I think I prefer it to to one honestly bold but understandable <laughs> yeah yeah it's great it's fun um in the spirit of being critical uh you know looking at this movie with a critical eye is there anything we can think of to ding this movie on uh i mean yeah i mean there's always something to ding yeah i'm trying to think of anything off the top of my head i i really have to think to think of anything um yeah I think the only thing for me, I think we, we get in this film. So we get werewolves in this movie. We get ghosts. Technically um, they kind of throw a red herring with the vampire. vampire we never really yeah. get a vampire in this yeah. film at all. I did like, um, I did like that though. Like you think you're getting a vampire turns out just a serial killing uh, principal. <laughs> yeah. Just a <laughs> yeah, his, yeah. His thing, his, his arc is really fun. Um, but yeah, I think that's my only, yeah, my only critique would be, you know, and obviously, you know, here's the thing. I, I feel like this would happen if there was ever a sequel to this is they would do new kind of monsters for the second one. Yeah. Um, but that would be my only critique. It's like, yeah, I wish we got one more classic kind of monster in this. Um, but I, I, it's hard for me to fault anything because I think the segments themselves are just so good. And, and Sam, like the last segment with Sam, 
you would say like, well, you could replace him. And I'm like, yeah, but like his character is so fun and sadistic. Like, I don't, I don't think I want to. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I do have one gripe. And my gripe is I wish that the Brian Cox, Sam segment was second to last. If they did that second mm-hmm. to last mm-hmm. and then they did the werewolves as the final segment, I think it would have ended the movie a lot stronger. Okay. Um, that's, 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 I can, I can, yeah, I can vibe with that. Cause, uh, vibe with you that. get to the end of the werewolf segment and it's got a finality to it. You know, it's got, yeah, the, it does I, wrap yeah. up the, the serial killer storyline. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only thing hanging is what happened to, uh, oh boy, what's, what's his name? Mr. Krieg? Brian Cox's character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I do like yeah. that that wraps up the, you know, puts a bow on the, the driver, like, mystery from the earlier on, you know? True, like, true. Yeah. I think that, I guess the problem is that they're both very, very strong, but the the werewolf girls just I don't know because it had like the Marilyn Manson song playing in it, and it, like it just it felt really. I mean, as far as set pieces, like that big you know special effects of them all turning into werewolves. Yeah, that is kind of the finale. Yeah, I do see that point. Yeah, yeah. And, and the effects work again is really great in that segment. Like that's a great werewolf turning segment. Yeah, like, just yeah. just peeling their skin off. Like that's amazing. Like you really don't. Yeah, get... there's not there's not a ton of um, and I was funny because I was thinking about that the other day too because I was just thinking about werewolf films because I it was at this party and they were watching Wolfman last night and I was just thinking about werewolves and I was like, man, which Wolfman? We really are devoid of like great werewolf stuff like lately. It feels like we're just. You know, again, there's 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 ginger snaps, there's dog soldiers, there's this film, there's the Wolfman, there's American Werewolf in London, the Howling, Bad Moon. There's there's a couple more, but if you really look at the plethora of great like monsters, the werewolf is just way way underused. Yeah, in my mind. I agree. Yeah. What Not was the last like, good one that we got? The yeah. last good one. Hard agrees. Yeah. yeah, we have a resident werewolf expert over here as our producer. Our producer, yeah. <laughs> Art, what was the last great werewolf movie? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Great? Like, things that <laughs> well, I would, like, like, write home about, you know? You know, one that you were like, yeah, this is a great werewolf movie. Like, not a clumsy reboot or so um just right, a partial. I was going to say, the, I was gonna say the Wolfman came out, obviously, with Del Toro, yeah. but... That I I I did not. It was so stodgy that entire and the, and the werewolf effects were so bad in it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I will agree. Werewolf by Night I thought was awesome. That was yeah. really really awesome. Like it just really captured that retro vibe. Like you get the retro looking wolf. I still haven't watched it. Oh, what? dude. I know. I'm terrible. Uh, it's the perfect time. I would I would recommend the black and white version over the color version. Oh hell yeah. 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 I I would agree. I yeah. saw that. I saw Werewolf by Night at, at Beyond Fest as well, and uh, Giacchino uh, 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 was there talking about it. And um, the the black and white version is killer. I actually really love that. That I honestly, I wish Marvel did more of those one offs than than series. Like, just do those one offs. Those yeah. one offs were so like, do an hour, do something fun like that. Just throw it away. It doesn't have any ties to the larger universe, and it was fun. So, we actually we need more bold choices with horror movies. We need. A movie in black and white we need like we don't need any more elevated horror because that's getting really old and tired um so like you know ari aster needs to just kind of put it away for a minute um <laughs> after <laughs> bo is afraid like yeah i i yeah 
We're good. Are, for you, are you guys while, saying that you don't want any more horror films about trauma? Are you guys saying that? Yeah, I don't need any more trauma or naked old people. I'm, I've reached my limit. <laughs> I'm kind of done with allegory at this point. <laughs> I'm good. It was just a good, raw, visceral, like, monster movie, yeah. Uh, what we don't really get anymore is just, just like, suspense and being stressed out and watching a movie. And I'm trying to think of the last one that really, really worked like that. Last um, Voyage. Last Voyage of the Year, yeah. I thought that movie was unfairly shit on this year. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that. I mean, it's it's funny that thinking, I'm just even, I'm thinking about this year and, and last year. I mean, Cobwebs, kind of. I haven't really seen it. Yeah, I heard it's really good. good. Yeah, see, that that's kind of, I feel like that's more in the vein of what I would like. It's really tough because they, I feel like we're in this zone where people believe that you have to have you have to have horror mean something more than just man this is really fun and like kind of like it's going to scare me like yeah. I don't know yeah. there's it's just there's there's just times where I'm like I don't know if we need anything else like I'm not I'm not sure like don't get me wrong I love get out I love uh, uh, hereditary. I, I like hereditary so much more than Midsommar. Um, yeah. But I, I, you know, I there's. there's I some agree. I don't like either I like. one. <laughs> yeah, I, but there's some of those films that I like. But I'm like, why do we? Why does everything need to be a comment on trauma at this point? I just don't understand. Yeah. Like, why does it have to be? Why can't this be? Hey, this is fun. This is this. this yeah. is a fucking monster. And, yes. Get yeah. back to basics. Like, yeah, like that's why the void worked so well for me, because it was I mean, you take kind of the golden formula that the thing had make it a little more modern get rid of some of the paranoia because you don't really need it in that movie and then just ramp up the monster stuff like it worked it worked so well um yeah the, like, vo the void has some insanely good uh practical effects as well i mean like oh, that yeah. has some really great kind of cosmic weird practical effects that i thought worked really really good in that film i thought honestly i mean even though mandy was a very slow burn i thought mandy was a great like kind of horror movie though about like yes it is obviously something traumatic happens to him but it's very i, I love the shooting of it in the vein of it it, it felt still like pulpy noirish culty like kind of like from oh, 70s movie, 80s it was also so psychotic yeah it made, it <laughs> psychotic. Feels so uncomfortable. the last half hour of that 40 minutes are just insane yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i that you can kind of trace some of the roots of like that all the way back to movies like I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left, where it's all like there was a category called rape exploitation, which was like the most traumatic thing that you could do. And then add a revenge story with grisly special effects to it. And then you had a, like a, a grindhouse cinema movie. Uh, you don't really get grindhouse anymore. Oh, I know. I went, I went and saw, um, the it was whatever the anniversary of Grindhouse at the new Bev, um, and they had the death proof car outside, oh, really? which is oh, so nice. cool. And um, and I mean that that film just rocks, dude. I mean, I love, I loved, I remember seeing Grindhouse in the theater and seeing all the the, the trailers that they Same. had for it. it yeah, was no, so that was an fun. awesome that experience. Was, that was so much fun. I, I, I and, and again, it's like I want, I would love more of those things back for well, us as horror fans because Thanksgiving I feel like that's like, is going to be a thing. Was it, is it yeah we'll yeah. see if that's the eli roth one not yeah. i'm yeah the eli roth one yeah i'll be curious to see if that's good or not so it probably won't be <laughs> but it should be at least entertaining you know like uh 
like hostile. Was it a great movie? No. Was it entertaining? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if you're a gore hound, you know, if you're uh, more of a, a civilized kind of person, then it's definitely not up your alley. But I've always loved, you know, like the let's take it to the extreme. Let's see how far we can push it and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was reading the chat here, and I saw Frank Welker, uh, Wonder Hour, said uh, the, the werewolf bit in Waxwork was good, and I, I forgot about Waxwork. Waxwork is underrated and fucking great. I yeah, don't know I, that I've seen Waxwork. Yeah, same here. I've never seen it. So much fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's they they go into this um this wax museum that has all these weird little like kind of like portraits of of various scenes, and so one of them goes into like a Dracula world, and one of them goes into like a werewolf. It's it's all it's it's really fun. Yeah, oh, it's, nice. It's, it's, yeah, uh, it's definitely worth that. it. I think it's. Horror I want to say Mario early 64? 80s, early to mid 80s. <laughs> um, all right, I think we can, uh, we can throw some ratings on this. All right, yeah, we'll get back to the movie we were originally talking about, uh, Trick or Treat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I'll start. If I if I have to rate this, hey, as a first time view, as a first time view, I had so much fun watching this thing. This is like. It's like an 8.5 because it knows exactly what it is and it achieves it so well. Like, it's not trying to be something it's not. It, it knows exactly what it's going for and it it executes perfectly. Like I, like I said, I would switch a couple of segments around. Uh, but other than that, it's fine. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to go high as well on this one. I Again, this is my second time watching this. I, I like remembered things, but I, I forgot a lot of important things. And even on my second viewing was like surprised by things like, you know, I still enjoyed the whole thing start to finish. I am going like nine on this because like it's super fun. The effects are are top notch. And yeah. I and like I this is the thing we talk about a lot. Where it uses CG is just to enhance. It's yeah. Not the main focus. Yeah. It's how, how CGI should be used. Uh, we talk about like the party movie a lot. Like, can you watch yeah. this with a lot of people? Like, and it's usually like a shitty movie that you can watch with a lot of people. Yeah, you roast it. Yeah. Yeah, but this is a rare like. No, this is an awesome movie, and you can watch it with a lot of people like at a party yep. and still enjoy it. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm standing by that nine. Yeah, that's that's I I mean, I will not lie. I would I would consider this a nine point five or a ten for me. I mean, mm -hmm. I think this is I think this is a slam just out of the park one of the great halloween films of all time i and again i if we're basing our our ratings too on just anthology films as well i it, it has to be high there's just no other oh, sure. way about it it's one of the great anthology horror films of all time it ranks right up there with creep show it ranks right up there with with the best of them um and and the fact too that just the way that Every segment, like you said, is just strong. There's not a point where I'm like, this segment sucks. I'm going to skip it. I'm like, no, yeah. I like the whole thing. Um, the acting's fantastic. Um, you've got everything you want. It's fun. And like you guys said, you can put this on at a party. Everyone will be like, oh, yeah, I love this scene. This scene's super fun. Um, and, it, and it really walks that delicate balance of, like you guys said, taking itself just seriously enough to have good scares, but not so serious that you can't laugh along with it as it's right. having fun with its own segments, which I think is what you need for anthology films like this. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, like we're, we're watching it right, right now, and we're getting, getting to the part where, you know, the, the dad is going to cut the jack-o'-lantern with the sun, and it's Thurman Merman's head down here. You know? <laughs> From bad <laughs> <Santa>. <laughs> 
you're not <laughs> sure if he's going to kill the kid. Yeah, you, think, you think, like, oh, he just killed his kid because he hates him. No, he's turning him into a serial killer, too. Well, and I love that. I just love that whole scene where he's outside and he's like, okay, I'll be in in a second. And he's like, yeah, he's stopping the kid out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I mean, like, it's such awesome dark humor. And then having the guy outside, like, what the hell are you doing out there? You know, like, la- you know, like yelling at him before we go to his segment later on. It's just, it's great. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, like, it's, it's a, a different kind of black humor. humor. Like, 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 this, this is legitimately <clears throat> funny at times. Uh, but then you've got a movie where Chris gave it a 10 is American Werewolf in London. Ah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a classic. And that has so much humor, but it's, like, buried under the seriousness. So it's, like, a a completely different ratio of of scare to funny. And that works so well, too. And it's it's not, like, blatantly a comedy movie. But, you know, you had John Landis directing it, so it had to have a little bit of goofiness to it. Like... Nazi werewolves or whatever the hell they were like. I love that just, scene so much. Yeah. That scene is so good. As yeah. goofy as it is, it's, it's horrifying. horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the way that they're just coming in, they're like shooting everybody, and like, yeah, I love that this, scene. That, that scene is great. That blood curdling shriek. That yeah, and, and I think what it was, he buried the funny under the scare, where this is more the the funny is alongside the scare, but the ratio is still right. It's more scare than funny. So he, it just nails it. I see. I see. Frank Walker in the chat says, "I've never seen American Werewolf in, in, in London, dude. Do do yourself a favor and watch that tonight. Seriously. Yeah, I am jealous that you get to watch that for the first time. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's funny when That's people say it's like I've never seen so and so. I'm like, dude, I am jealous for you because if I yeah. can go back in time and watch this for the first time, I totally would. And I just loved it so much. So. Yeah, you know, I think there are movies that I would love to go back and see for a first time as an adult, but there are things that I saw the first time as a kid which made me appreciate them way more like it's it started my obsession with hellraiser because like mm. if you go oh. back and watch hellraiser now yeah it's it's good it's definitely good it's still one of my favorite movies just more for sentimental reasons but when you're four years old and you watch that fucking thing it's the greatest <laughs> thing you've ever seen in your life the 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 um hellraiser is one of those i mean absolute just bangers of a movie in terms of like the way the practical effects meld and just like that yes it's i'm not exaggerating when i say it probably opened a lot of people's sexuality in terms of their sadomasochism oh (laughs) sure oh yeah Yeah. oh i want to kill some people and have sex it's Um, like um, a kinky bdsm like leather daddy horror movie (laughs) because that's what clive barker was into yeah, and it was um that that film is just and it's so funny because the Cenobites are like rarely in that film too, which is so funny. They're I think they've really got about ten minutes of film time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're and they're only really central in like the last 30, 40 minutes of the movie, and so it's it's um yeah. it's it's so it's just I I love Hellraiser so much, and 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 I think the biggest mistake of that franchise was not allowing julia to continue to be the main villain because she really is like the central antagonist of that whole series and she's so good yeah well people think hellraiser they think the cenobites and like like you said like they're only in it a couple of minutes at the end because they're the consequence they're the comeuppance yeah yeah. julia is the villain like frank is the villain like you see them in their relationship and like they're the bad guy she's a goddamn serial killer in this movie, <laughs> totally. you never think about that. 
Like she's yeah. a she's she's murdering people with a fucking claw hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I and honestly, I think the second one is is it's not as good as the first, but it's very solid. It I keeps really the love spirit. The second one as well. Once they move on to the third, they lose. Yeah. They lose the goods. Everything starts to become too clean. Like the first two Hellraisers, the makeup effects make everybody look dead and dirty and gross. And the more the movies go on, the cleaner and and like brighter everything becomes. And it's just not the vibe. Nah. Mm -mm. Agreed. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. All right. So with that, uh, we get out of our review phase. We move on to the trivia. And as soon as I open it up on my phone, we'll go through it. Nope, not IMDb. I don't. You get there. You get there. I'll get there. I'm nervous. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Not to bother you with trivia. I used to think they were kind of trivia. <clears throat> the kid with the lollipop in his mouth who peeks in on the girls' changing room when they're trying on the Halloween costumes is Quinn Lord, who plays Sam throughout the rest of the movie. I don't know if that's in your segment, it but I, I stole your thunder. Wow. Yeah. I didn't segment. know that. That's fucking cool. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that they had a little kid actually as Sam. Yeah, yeah, actually yeah. do it. Yeah, That's really fun. Uh, the performers under the masks playing the kids on the school bus all have real disabilities or injuries. They are apparently, I'm sorry, and they apparently had a blast during the shoot. Their costumes were inspired by a mix of photos from Ralph Meatyard and Diane Arbus capturing real mentally disabled children on Halloween in their homemade costumes. Which, like, that's nice. Deep cut trivia. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I have actually seen some of those photos, and they're in those, like, you know, like, darkest photos from history kind of things. It's all, like, black and white photos of kids making Halloween costumes, and they just, they look terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I never, I actually didn't know that either, that they were actually kids with disabilities. That's that's super cool. I love that. Yeah, uh, I, I like it. You know, instead of, you know, the easy route would be find kids with SAG cards and put them in the movie and then have them pretend to be, you know, mentally handicapped kids or whatever. That's easy. Do the work. Get it done. Get it done legit. I like that. Yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the fight scene between Sam and Krieg involved an eight-year-old stunt performer as well as an adult uh, stunt woman. <laughs> an eight-year-old stunt performer. How do you become an eight-year-old stunt man? I have like, no, no idea. idea. <laughs> That's a huge missed opportunity in my life. And very someone, someone just Jackie Channing their way through life at eight or at eight years old. Yeah, yes, I, I imagine, imagine the insurance policy of that movie is like astronomical. Stunt man's eight. He smokes and has that wife. <laughs> <laughs> He's just uh, drinking like core. He's drinking like cores on the set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I work eighty hours a motherfucking day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right after this, I'm doing the Time Bandits reboot. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh man. Oh, Jesus. Um. They couldn't. They couldn't use any recognizable candy wrappers because. All the candy in the film is either poisoned or filled with razor blades. <laughs> and they had to create their own instead, which, quote unquote, which was kind of fun because we came up with stuff like Big Fudge Log, Dory revealed. 
that's an example of somebody having fun with their job. Like, right. Yeah. And you, you really can't even read any of the candy wrappers, but I bet there, there's some obscene ones. <laughs> Big fudge log. I like, yeah, that's, that sounds yeah. like a delicious candy. I, I try one. I would try it once. <laughs> Yeah, you'll have a big fudge log after you eat that, too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the, this is really interesting. I always like to find facts like this. Uh, the blood used to show Emma's demise. She was the the first victim. She was taking down all the... Oh, yeah, houses. Leslie Bibb. Uh, the blood used to show Emma's demise beneath the sheet was boiled right before filming so it would steam. Which I didn't even notice on the first watch through, but... We got it on now, and I was looking for it. Yeah, yeah, that's that works. Huh? Like it, it, it's really noticeable when you know to look for it. Interesting. I love this shot of Sam of the, in the flashback. Oh yeah, he's just still there, like with the crow. Yeah, yeah. The scene was shot well too. Like all of it was shot well. Like, but it's so scenic, and it's got that like that like amber color to everything. Yeah. So good. Um, there is a voice cameo from James Marston uh, on the TV talking about the history of Halloween candy. Huh. All right. Was that in your segment? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. I know. I, I remember. I remember hearing that. I, I I know that segment, but I didn't know that was Marston. That's funny. Yeah, we got some Cyclops action here. <laughs> Which, yeah, like uh, I assume that was a Brian Singer grab. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because he did the, the, the first couple X-Men movies, right? It's not the only uh, Brian Singer grab, if you uh, believe the uh, rumors. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Ba-doom-tsh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Brian Cox wore a wig and prosthetics because he wanted to look like John Carpenter. <laughs> that's, not... that, that, tracked so, that tracked so hard. That, that's, that's perfectly, exactly. He, and he plays like an old curmudgeon, which we all know John Carpenter is. At oh, point, yeah. Which is perfect. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> he's like, he's the grumpiest dude, but loves, like, he loves talking to people and being grumpy about and it. And hating like, people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can totally get it, man. He, he. He has probably the greatest horror filmography of all time. And in his time period, he really wasn't very successful. It really sucks. And so I can understand like him being bitter about kind of all of that. And yet when you look at his filmography, you're like banger, 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 banger. They all, banger. Yeah, they all caught like, on the back end. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I would, yeah, he's very similar to Cronenberg like that, like, Cronenberg would have things that would hit kind of big, but everything that really worked worked well after it was out of the theaters. You know, like I can't imagine Videodrome yeah. was really drawn in the box office. <laughs> uh, one, that... it's like you, you. I mean, the, the Fly is one of the greatest remakes of all time, but even then, I mean, it did well, but it wasn't like some like just smashing box office success. Yeah, but it now, did, when you look it did back, well enough like, oh, yeah, to get a sequel. Top. Think about the thing that yeah. got shit on when it came yeah, out. Yeah, it did. Yeah, oh, yeah. Really shit on. Yeah. yeah. Which is insane. Like, <sighs> insane to think about. I don't think Halloween got great reviews either. Like, I think it, I think it was. It did like, good reviews, but it made so much money. So, yeah. 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 It was that like, was that was the key there. It made what they call a it ton of money. critical failure. I mean, like, look, 
I mean, I was going to say, look at Christine. Look at, you know, um, yeah. I mean, uh, God, I mean, even in the 90s, you had In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, that movie is, is like, I mean, perfect. Oh, that is a perfect, perfect horror like movie. Just a home run. So, yeah, I mean, again, he just, he, he you know, and in the later years, his films kind of fell off because I like, I mean, I, I look at, you know, what's it called? Uh, what is Mars? What, what, what oh, Ghosts of Mars. Ghosts of Mars was just so bleh. Yeah, um, that's and, a perfect and, and word And the later for it. ones were, were so mad, but man, he had that just that string. I mean, you have Prince of Darkness, Christine. Uh, I mean, even the Fog. I mean, all of those just they're great. Yeah, he's. I don't know. He's just a, a staple. Like he's on the Mount Rushmore of horror directors. <laughs> he yeah. has to be right. Like, like I, I can get the bitterness. I can get it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, move on here. We got uh, three more here. Uh, every single death in the movie occurs off camera. The deaths are either obstructed by something or the camera cuts away right before the character dies. This is a rare feat for a horror film. Huh. Donner agrees. Yeah, Donner's <laughs> Hey, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, pal. I like, I like in the chat, by the way, that someone's like, E.T. sucked ass, and I'm like... Yeah, kind of did. <laughs> First, uh, he, Frank Welker Wonder I was pointing out that E.T. is what people wanted back then. And I said, eh. No. Yeah. That's when River 12, whom I don't yep. recognize. Donner! You're being a butt. Get one, final, one final one in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never liked E.T. Like, it was... It would, it would be, be on, on when, when I was a kid. I mean, I saw it really when I was a kid. Like, it was cool then when I was, like, four. It was, like, like a cultural phenomenon. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, but, like, trying to watch it now is, is, is like, fucking... It's, it's bad. Damn. Yeah, it's, it's a labor, labor, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I I don't love Spielberg the way a lot of people do. I... I get it. Like, yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's got... I mean, he's got all kind of classics. Yeah. But not all of them. Uh, uh, fucking what's the AI? AI? Oh Christ! Yeah, I mean, I'm good there. Yeah, I mean that. I yeah, that's hard to. I mean, look, you you got one of the great monster movies in Jaws. You got him helping yeah. extensively with Poltergeist, which is one of the great you know ghost movies of all time. And, yeah. and you know, in the horror sphere, he just hasn't really done as much. I mean, in Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park one is as a bona fide classic. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. But it's, it's all, all the in between stuff. stuff. It's just like middling uh let's see here uh the candy bar that sam uses to attack the old man is the same candy bar he got from the principal earlier in the movie the principal put razor blades in the chocolate bars he handed out uh. <laughs> which is why the man was cut with a candy bar <laughs> i like that that's a yeah, nod to pat cemetery i need that one that one is that one's a, just a great callback yeah. yeah, he slashes the back of his ankle. Like, yeah. Oh, God, they grossed me out in Pet Cemetery. Yeah. It's even grosser somehow in this movie. <laughs> I think what, what kind of, like, the worst one of those was in Hostel, where he cuts it, and then you see him try to walk on it real quick, and he's, it separates. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, boy. That's, yeah, that's nasty. Yeah, it was almost as bad as watching Aaron Rodgers do it almost for real. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I still can't watch the in. Joe Theismann video. No. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, who, who took him out? What's that? Who took Joe Theismann out? Oh, oh Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor, yeah, yeah. LT, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Linebacker. that's almost as bad as the Nick the Nick Chubb thing this season. Oh, my God. Mm. That was brutal, too. Yeah. Yeah, watching somebody's foot spin around the wrong way is always just, just so entertaining. Yeah, no. I love it, and they show it in slow motion and repeat, like they did with Dak Prescott last year. 
<laughs> Love it. Let's watch this over and over again. All right, we are on to our final IMDb trivia fact here. All the werewolves in this film were created by Teutopolis Studios, the same studio that brought you Lycans in the Underworld trilogy, which I am repeating because I said that earlier. So. <laughs> wow. Since I'm not on camera, what's your guys' you know I'm What's your guys' status on Underworld? Because I, I think the first film is, is definitely passable. I think the rest of them are, are not great. Uh, it's, it's diminishing returns. returns. The further you yeah. go in, the less you like it. Yeah, I agree. It's been so long since I've seen the first one of those movies, and like I, at the time, I just remember being like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, it, it's got that vibe of Blade and the Matrix and all yeah. that the flashy like, fucking Resident Evil y kind of stuff, and then just apply it to a horror movie. Yeah. Which it it, it the first one works because it's pretty unique, but it's only gonna carry you so far. Hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, I remember watching that in the theaters and be like, "Oh, this is fun. It's got kind of an action thing, but it just the the scares weren't there." And then again, the 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 werewolfness of those monsters, it just when we got into CGI werewolves, it really just diminishes what these things are and like kind of like wanting to experience it because they just don't look real. And you're like, I don't if it's not real, I don't give a shit. So funny enough, those are actual practical effects werewolves. Really? In the, for first, the first one? In the first one, they are. Uh, okay. I can't, okay, that's I can't tell you about the second okay. one. Yeah, that's what I thought. In the first one, I think that they look they look passable, and then after that, it gets yeah, it gets yeah. rough. So. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love their transformation. Um, it just there there are certain werewolf transformation scenes that are iconic. I mean, obviously, American Werewolf in London. Yeah, it was is the what the watermark? I, it's the gold standard. Yeah, I would, um, I would, I would argue the howling is right there, though. I Howling's hate the howling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, I, I, I think like it's right you. there. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, if just, it's, I, I watched it when I was like older. I, I don't have like the nostalgia factor. I don't like that movie. Like, I as much love as... the transformation scene in this. I love watching yeah, them deliberately rip their skin off, and and just yeah, I love that too. Yeah. I told you before, I like the bursting out werewolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of the 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 slow like, I'm just gonna turn into one. Yeah, yeah. Slothing skin adds. Yeah, to like gore. ripping skin off. Like yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess the grislier transformations just do it for me. Again, watching watching Hellraiser at four years old to do that for a person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, in terms of just making it look painful and and realistic, like American Werewolf, like uh, to this day has not been beat, man. Like, no, yeah, yeah. When he's like on the ground and his like his 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 legs are like breaking out, like and it's like his whole body's yeah, like like the bones cracking and stuff, like oh. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, it's yeah, awesome. It's said awesome. No spoilers <laughs> to the movie that came out in like 1985. Sorry, we spoiled that somebody turns into a werewolf, an American werewolf in London. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> the most infamously amazing transformation scene. Yeah, 81. I don't know why. Did, was it 81? You were right. Ah, I was yeah. right. I love that. I've been drinking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, hey, we're on to uh, we're on to the next segment, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we are on to better known as where we. 
I didn't know if we were using the stingers. You know what? I don't know. You probably fine. can't hear him. I had to turn that mic down anyway. <laughs> you guys were echoey. I got feedback. Oh. Uh, um, yeah, we'll move on next to the better known ass segment. Uh, we will start off, of course, with director Michael Doherty. Uh, he is probably, I mean, most well known for probably this movie or, of course, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. The fucking Krampus. Yep. Yeah. Well, we, we've talked <laughs> about Krampus, Krampus on the show. Yeah. Uh, but Krampus King of the Monsters, great. man. I, I loved that movie. Yeah. That's, yeah, the, King of the Monsters was a lot of fun. It's like nine times better than Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. yeah like, roughly nine, nine times. times. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's a, a very, very specific yeah, amount. A, yeah. It's amazing to me that he doesn't work more because he really, I feel like every time he's either directing or writing something, it's a banger. Like I, again, Krampus, very good, solid Christmas horror movie, trick or treat, fantastic Halloween movie, Godzilla, great monster movie. I mean, like I, it's, it's a shame he doesn't work more than he does. I think the problem is like the stuff he does is very niche. So like, Monster kids love his stuff, but monster kids aren't like driving the box office. Yeah, a hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. That's a hundred percent what it is, and it's a, it, like I said, it's a shame because he really is kind of so weirdly good and specific about what he does. Um, and um, and again, I, I I would argue every single film he's ever written directed is is like these are these are great. Now he is doing. Godzilla Kong, I guess the new empire next. So, um, but that's direct, that's directed by Adam Wingard. So, oh, okay. Okay. Was he, he's he, uh, produced, already producing, right? He's producing. He, he wrote it. Yeah. Oh, writing it. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, he has 15 writing credits. Uh, he's writing the new Hellraiser series as well. I don't want that. <laughs> I didn't love that new movie. That was just, was I great. didn't love, man. I, it, was it was so, so sanitary. sanitary. That, it was, it was, you know the problem, the biggest problem with the new film was it felt like it was made by people who don't like sex. It felt like I was yeah. literally watching a film that was like, you don't like sex. You yeah, know, this like, movie's you dry. Don't like... <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was, I, I felt like I was making, uh, watching a Hellraiser movie made by Puritans. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I don't know, so clean and sanitary and well lit. And it's just, like, it, it was missing, it was missing the sex. And it was missing the gothic atmosphere that the first couple had. Yeah, yeah. And the 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 like you said in the first one where Julia is kind of the main villain, they tried to make this one dude the main villain, but he's like never in the film. He's like only in it at the very end yeah. when it's like, oh, he's been planning this whole thing. But I'm like, yeah, but he's not really done anything the whole movie. Yeah. So like, yeah, it, it was it was weird. Plus, you don't you don't care about anybody in that movie. Like the first one, Kirsty. You love her. Like, she's great. Yeah, you you want her to succeed. Uh, you don't want to see anything bad happen to her. This new one, you don't give a shit about anybody. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really weak for me. I remember seeing that on, on when it dropped on Hulu because I was very excited for a new Hellraiser movie, and I was like, eh. Yeah. Eh, yeah. It was fine. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people have the problem with, like, oh, it's a female pinhead. Didn't care. I didn't care. Yeah, that 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 could that was literally the last thing on my list of things to care about yeah, for that. Just film. get that the was, job done. So many other, yeah, other criticisms of that movie that were way more warranted that had nothing to do with that. So yeah. yeah. Um, we will move on, of course, next to Anna Paquin, uh, one of the bigger stars in this movie. Cute as a button in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, Anna Paquin she... is so good in this. She's just killer yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Great. And this 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 was probably the tape that her agent sent for True Blood, probably. So Yeah. Was this before this was like 2007 True Blood? It's like what, 2008 oh, or nine, maybe? Yeah, know. nine, yeah. Like, you got it's like two years it. later, I think. Yeah. yeah. Two or three years yeah. later. Hey, again, it's almost as if we yeah. Have an internet movie database in front of us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked at all if this was literally the thing that they were like, "Oh, by the way, she can do this." So. Yeah, she can do horror. Yeah. Um, as far as some of the most recent things she has been in, uh, she was in The Irishman in 2019. That was uh, great. The marathon length uh, Martin Scorsese movie. Um, it was great. I loved it. I don't give a shit. I still have only seen it the one time. I, I do want to watch it again. I just don't have three and a half hours. Yeah, no, it's a rough one. I, like... I loved I, I loved Pacino's portrayal of 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 um what's his name? Oh, uh, you can do it. Two to one. Um Hoffa. I there loved his go. portrayal of Hoffa. Yeah, his portrayal of Hoffa was great. I, I really liked Jack Nicholson's too and in, in Hoffa that film, but I, I really loved Pacino's portrayal. He was he was really good in it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, 2008 was True Blood. Oh, so yeah, the following year. Yeah, 2008. Uh, Frank, Frank says in the chat, too, and I agree with him, that there was a little bit of a horror element with Anna Paquin and the OG X-Men. Yeah, I kind of agree. There was, there was a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, She yeah. was just... She, she, the, the, uh, True Blood came out in 2008, and this came out in 2007. So, again, I, I would not be shocked at all if when she did this movie and she went into the room, her agents were like, she just did True Blood, or she just did Trick or Treat, and they sent her that a reel of this little scene and then she auditioned and they were like yeah she can do this yeah so. uh she was in that like forgotten pixar movie the good dinosaur in oh jesus <laughs> and they just like there's just she's no great, mention of that movie like, yeah yeah well she's all over the place like in a lot of spots you really wouldn't expect to find her yeah um she's probably most well known as rogue from the x-men movies either <clears> that or sucky from true blood sucky <laughs> yeah, I'd say True Blood is her most well known. She was on that show for what six years, seven years. Yeah, two thousand eight yeah. to two thousand fourteen, eighty one episodes. Man, you talk about a, a, yeah. a series that started great and then just took a shitter after like four seasons. <laughs> I yeah, think... I just that season you know four was the, where the... I lost it. Uh, my my girlfriend loved that show, and I, I think that that show definitely was more keen to to female viewers for sure. Yeah. So. Uh, some of the other standout things. She was in The Squid and the Whale in 2005. Uh, Joan of Arc TV movie 2005 as well. Oh, Steam Boy. Steam uh, Boy rocks. I'm not familiar. It's a... Uh, Anime? That was a Miyazaki movie, right? I'm pretty sure it was. Mm. Uh, I have never seen a uh, Miyazaki movie. Are you shitting me right not now? one. Why? I don't like anime. Hold on. Well, I, 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 I need like to tell you, that is fine. That is totally cool. Miyazaki and, like, Studio Ghibli movies are, like, they're cinema. Like, <laughs> like it's not anime. That's a yeah. fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. You, have, you have the meme of Scorsese just saying it's cinema. Right yeah. 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 Yep, have not seen a single second of any one of those movies. Dude, you are doing yourself a disservice in the name of a genre. Go watch Grave of the Fireflies and cry. <laughs> Spirited Away is Spirited, Spirited Away is amazing. amazing. Yeah, that's a great film. That's a go-to, yeah. Howl's Moving, Moving Castle. Castle. Mm. 
my, my aim to the row. Like, like yeah. oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Princess Mononoke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, back to the back one. No, no, no. Anime chat. <laughs> with my cinema deficiencies. Uh, she was in 25th Hour in 2002. Uh, she was in Finding Forrester in 2000, which gave the world the sound clip. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was in... Do you remember YTMND? YTMND, what is that? Oh, now, dog. It was a website, and then like it was just like gifts of things like early internet days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she was an almost famous in two thousand. Uh, oh yeah, X-Men she was. Movie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, first X Men movie was also two thousand. I gotta tell you, I think I've seen about half of Almost Famous. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good. It's a solid movie. Yeah. Solid. Uh, she was in She's All That in 1999. Uh, wow. Also in Amistad in 1997, another Spielberg movie. Uh, Again, as a, as a working actor, I will just say for Anna Paquin, she is just killer. I mean, I'm telling you, she's had just incredibly long, long-lasting, amazing career. She really has. It's, it's just, just solid. Like, you, you never really see her. Like, she may be in something that's sketchy, but she's always good in whatever she's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's uh, her first role is in 1986, so she's been around almost 40 years uh, in acting. Uh, but some of the other notable things: Fly Away Home, 1996; Jane Eyre, also 96; uh, The Piano, 1993. That's the one that got her like the first like really big like, critical acclaim. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Next up, we have Brian Cox. Uh, yeah, Brian Cox, man, uh, just top so notch actor. This- it, 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 it's this film to me is like I wish we could get Brian Cox in more horror, horror films because he would just tear it up. I mean, oh yeah, to me he is he would be akin to me what Peter Cushing and what um um uh oh my god uh, uh why am I blanking on on his name from the other he's in the Frankenstein films with Cushing why am I blanking really? on his name right now. Christopher Lee, he is our kind of our timeline now. He's at that age where he can play all of those roles. He's the elder statesman. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the elder statesman. He would just crush all of them. Yeah, he's yeah. He can do like he can do the the stupid, you know, funny, goofy shit because his his comedic timing is amazing. But he can also do drama, which is rare because like. They're two very different skill sets. Yeah, Frank Frank in the chat was saying that he got to see him do Death of a Salesman at the Amits, and I'm like, oh yeah, he would absolutely just destroy that. Just just destroy it. And, oh, and again, shit. I I think he he more than anyone in Trick or Treat, I think, gives the film a little bit of a legitimate boost in terms of like, oh, Brian Cox is in this movie. Okay, I'm gonna take this movie a little bit more seriously than I would any other kind of ho hum regular thing and, and we saw that kind of throughout history where like the original tales from the crypt film that was made by hammer or sorry amicus was was had some kind of a couple of names in there that kind of gave it a little bit more legitimacy and i feel like again when you do anthology films you since you have the segmented approach you you do have to get at least one legitimate type of star in there and then this film has not only cox but it has Paquin. but i think cox really elevates it because of of the last segment and his work in it. And Dylan Baker too, another like acting yeah. like powerhouse. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um 
He also lives not far from here, Brian Cox. He lives like on the other side of East Greenbush, I think. Like, get the fuck out of my life. Yeah, no shit. Fucking what? Yes, <laughs> it's he's like fairly local. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, Can you imagine going out to a bar and grabbing a drink and. Is that Brian Cox? Picturing him at the Heritage, <laughs> he would never drink at the Heritage. I would go flat broke to have Brian Cox ride around the cop car with me, pretending to be a drunk chief. <laughs> the Heritage is the dive bar down the street from our, our studio where we pretty much hang out after every uh, recording. Um, and yeah, I just Brian Cox and Hank the Bouncer like oh. having a conversation. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I want to see that. Top notch. That would be top notch. <laughs> oh, man. So hit, um, me with, hit me with some of these Brian Cox IMDb highlights. Yeah, let's... Uh, we'll, hit I me mean, with those cocks. Hit me with that cock. <laughs> yeah, Cox. Who, who doesn't love cocks? Yeah. yeah lay that cocks out. Uh, he is going to be a voice in the upcoming uh, Lord of the Rings animated uh, War of the Rohirrim. Uh, I don't know if it's a movie or series or what they're doing with that. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, but that's a thing that's happening. Um, as far as the stuff he's probably most well-known as, I mean, as far as recent stuff, he's Logan Roy in Succession, and that's that's pretty huge right now. Um, Succession? What's that show? Yeah. <laughs> There's the, the only monsters in that are the greedy business monsters. Yeah. <laughs> um uh he oh, we'll get to that we'll get to that um some of the other stuff he's been in he was the narrator in that quasi movie the recent uh broken lizard movie which was didn't everybody hate that yeah which one was it which one broken lizard which one was uh it? quasi the one that just came out like earlier this year oh right yes quasi wasn't it yeah quasi quasi, quasi like, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. is it quasi moto it's quasi watchable is what it is <laughs> i was gonna say who fucking cares honestly <laughs> <laughs> i here's the here's i love broken lizard though i love those guys for their like diy aesthetic i love that i mean like and again i watch i watch um beer fest and um and super troopers all the time i love yeah. both of those films those are like a you know a1 comedies they're amazing those. uh i i when that movie came out we watched it i i said like i feel like this is like a contractual obligation movie like they had to make this and like just like just make the fucking movie like just yeah yeah put like no effort into it yeah that's anyway fair. that's fair that's why guns and roses put out a covers album yeah. <laughs> in the 90s because we yeah we just have to make an album yeah <laughs> Uh, he, he was, was the, the voice, voice of God, God in an episode last week, uh, Tonight with John Oliver. Uh, he was in that animated Blade Runner series, did a voice in that. I didn't watch that. And as a, a giant Blade Runner fan, I have reasons. And those reasons are the latter Blade Runner movie. It, just, <laughs> like it showed me that you just can't do it. Fair enough. See, I, I didn't hate Blade Runner 2049. I hated Jared Leto in it. That's who I hated. I didn't, I didn't hate the film itself, but I hated him in the film. I just couldn't get behind K, like the character. Like, I don't know why. I just didn't care. Yeah. Eh. I, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but I, I really yeah. despise Leto in it. And I despise him in most movies. So. Yeah, I despise, I despise him as a human. human. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, he was in three episodes of the first season of Good Omens. He was the voice of Death and that. Oh, we have God and Death. Yeah. 
Uh, he is, of course, Captain O'Hagan in the two Super Troopers. Yeah, yeah. In the two Super Troopers movies. There you go. There it is. Hilarious, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that that first one. I, 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 I like the second one, but that first one is just so amazingly hilarious. Yeah. yeah. No, the first one is perfect. Bear fucker. <laughs> Do you need assistance? <laughs> I still want that line. The next person to say shenanigans is going to get pistol whipped. Instead of boring like all the crazy yeah, crap on the walls. Shenanigans? Hey, you guys doing some shenanigans in here? <laughs> the movie is infinitely fucking quotable. Yeah. And that was the second time I got the clap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched it in a while. I, I said I'll take a large farva. <laughs> I don't want a goddamn large farva. <laughs> twenty ounces. Yeah. A liter. Twenty liter. Give me a liter of cola. <laughs> yeah, give me a liter of cola. Liter. It's French for break loose fucking lips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants a mustache, right? I do. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's my car it's my girl yeah. <laughs> oh man uh, I do that for an hour and a half yeah for, I can just reenact the whole movie <laughs> I, know, I was about to say I was like that's like my personality for one year pretty much so I was oh like, yeah yeah <laughs> oh he thinks I'm a Mexican <laughs> it's brown magic <laughs> Oh, you, you skipped over the cat, autopsy cat, of Jane Doe. Nimbly, bimbly. <laughs> did I? Yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah, he was in uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe, which is a, an awesome, oh, awesome so good. movie. Yeah. God, that movie rocks. Actually, that movie you know what? So hard. That that was probably the last like unsettling, vibey movie I've seen in a while. Yeah. We got that. That's one. honestly. It's funny, guys. Me and my girl are thinking about watching something that we may, I may put on that one tonight. I haven't yeah. watched that one in a minute, and that one rocks. I was just about to say, we need to put that on the list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was in two episodes of the Penny Dreadful uh, TV series, which I never saw, but I, I, I'm interested I, in So I back the I, idea. Yeah. But yeah. the execution I'm gonna say this was about shaky. I'm going to say this about Penny Dreadful. First two seasons are fucking incredible. I mean, oh Agreed. my God, are they good. Agreed. Um, the 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 third season gets truncated because they got a uh, an early exit order and so they had to like effectively make everything work at the very end um but the first two men are undeniably fucking great and uh, yeah, josh hartnett is amazing and ava green is killer it's a really good show yeah if i have one criticism of that show is that there is bear with me here too much sex <laughs> it's a lot I, I i just the the thing for me is i it nails that old school universal horror aesthetic though of like the fog and the london streets and like that whole like vibe it's great yeah yeah and it's got just enough of the like kind of visceral stuff to bring in that hair hammer element so it's yeah. like it's like a really good marriage of the two Again, the first two seasons, they're killer. It just it sucks that they had to end it the way they did. But um, the the werewolf stuff, I mean, God, they have they have Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde in it. They've got fucking Frankenstein. Dorian Gray, I oh. Frankenstein. It's, oh it's, yeah, it's that's fun. right. Dorian it's Gray was fun. in there. Yeah, yeah. Dorian Gray was in it. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I need to watch that show. Um, anyway, back to Brian Cox. He was in Her in 2013 with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> he was in Red 2, uh, 2013, with uh, Bruce Willis, Morgan Freeman, uh, what's it, Helen... Uh... Oh, Lord. Helen Mirren. There we go. Helen Mirren, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. He's in the campaign with uh, Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis, 2012. That was way funnier than it had any right to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, 2011. Uh, he did a voice in Kill Zone 3, the video game. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of weird. Frank Welker would really like to focus on the fact that Cox was in her. <laughs> <laughs> and he's right. <laughs> Also, I love that we all just default to calling that channel Frank Welker. So it's as though we're saying Frank yeah. Welker. Yeah, Frank Welker. actual voice Welker. actor Frank Welker yeah. is saying this. Yeah. Frank Welker said this. <laughs> uh, he was in Coriolanus in 2011. Uh, he was in the first Red movie, too, in 2010. Uh, let's see. He did an episode of Doctor Who in 2009. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's in the Fantastic Mr. Fox, also in 2009. Less gross, but still. <laughs> he's also in Kill Zone 2, 2009. <laughs> uh, he did a Scooby Doo movie in 2008. Scooby Doo yeah. Samurai Sword. Now uh, that's something Frank Welker can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, Trick or Treat in 2007. Uh, same year he did Zodiac, too. He was oh, Zodiac was so good. Yeah, it was a good movie. Zodiac was great. Fucking great. He's in nine episodes of Deadwood. I do not remember him in that in that series. Me neither. Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched Deadwood, but I, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's been a long time for me watching Deadwood. Yeah. De- you know what? Deadwood is like... That's top five, five Western, Western stuff for me. me. Yeah. I, like, as yeah, a, no, I mean, a, a massive, massive Western Deadwood man. is very high caliber. That's, I mean, that's... I would argue that's when HBO was really making truly, like groundbreaking television yeah you know? yeah Man, yeah show was so good yeah late 90s like early 2000s like yeah they were just cranking out really great stuff uh he's in the ringer with johnny knoxville in 2005 yeah he was yeah <laughs> was the ringer only rated a 5.3 imdb is that what i saw 5.8 criminal yeah <laughs> criminal when the fuck did we get ice cream? <laughs> you took my CD and you scratched it. Uh, he's in the Born Supremacy in 2004. I think he's in a couple of those Born movies. Yeah. Uh, those what movies? Those Born movies. Oh, Born movies. Yeah. I thought he said boring. I thought he said porn. I don't know. Brian Cox in a porn movie? Cox in porn? Yeah. yeah. Uh, All the cocks. <laughs> he played Agamemnon in Troy in 2004. Uh, he's in the Manhunt video game in 2003, the voice in that. Uh, he was, of course, William Stryker in X2 in 2003. Mm-hmm. Great in that movie. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Still probably the best X-Men movie. Uh, That's not a high bar. Yeah. Uh, he's in Adaptation in 2002. Uh, same year he's in The Ring, too. I, didn't, I don't remember him in The Ring, but it's been a while since I've seen The Ring. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't think I've seen The Ring since I rented it on VHS. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Wait, Ring 1? Yeah, he's yeah. in The Ring. You guys, you, you guys haven't seen that since since way back in the day? Yeah, I think it, when it yes, first came it was, out on yes, video, it was probably the last time I saw it. Pretty new I, I, I I'm going to say this right now. I think The Ring is one of the greatest, not only, r- r- like, 
reimagining reboots remakes ever but it is i mean that is a fucking amazing horror movie i mean that I, that that movie rips i, I do remember really liking it. it yeah yeah um i i want to say i saw ringu a couple of times the uh, the original japanese one uh i actually wound up reading one of the mangas that it was based on uh i, I guess there was like a, a couple of <laughs> like a series but like i read the original one and that's it. Really, is some dark shit. Yeah, yeah. Like the ring, ring. The thing I love most about the ring is, is that the opening scene is so expertly fucking crafted in terms of how it, like, kind of is is building up to something you know, and then it kind of weaves away from that, and then it goes back to it, and the scare scene is fucking great, and mm-hmm. then. The, the the thing about the ring itself that I think is makes it one of those standout horror movies and and really even the American adaptation is fucking great at this is the way it unfolds is like a great mystery as like something yeah. it's almost Hitchcockian in the way that it unfolds. It's so good. It's really that that I think the ring one is 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 a fantastic horror film. Like really, really special. Yeah, it really does nail that like you are trying to figure it out with the people in the movie like nothing is like super cut and dry until you know like obviously the the, the final uh few moments of the movie but yeah you're always wondering like who is this girl what happened how do we fix this what's going on like i i'm terrified um yeah it was in the the the, the it, it kind of it's funny we we look at like something like sinister as as kind of popularizing that weird kind of like retro snuff film thing but they they do it in the ring well before that um yeah. and that the film that she's in or whatever is creepy as fuck um, yeah. and uh, again I, I i think that film is is almost now veering on underrated because of how bad the sequels were that people forgot how amazing the first one was oh that's right i forgot that got sequels yeah, yeah. and a remake too like a reboot did it really? I believe so. Yeah, like a couple of years ago, not that long ago. Well, it went. It went from it went Ring, Ring Two, and then I think they did Rings, and um, oh, and, and yeah. Rings was really bad. Um, but Ring One again, Naomi Watts, Brian Cox. I mean, that uh, directed by, by Gore Verbinski, fucking hit it out of the park. That film is great. Yeah. I was I always gravitated more toward the the grudge movies like not the American ones the Japanese ones Juwan Juwan the the atmosphere that they set up is so dense like it's just unsettling start to finish um I didn't really see the I think I saw the second one but I don't think I saw the third one I think there's three of them um but that first one is just amazing yeah, and that's another one that the, honestly the, the American remake of the first one was solid. So. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's just I don't think it has it doesn't carry the same weight that the original carried. Yeah, which it, it was just made for a different audience. I think. Yeah, I agreed. Um, here's a fact that's gonna make everybody feel yucky. Uh, two uh, Super Troopers is from two thousand and one. Oh fuck you! Yeah. Oh <laughs> man, yeah, it's still old. old. It's still really old. Yeah, it's <laughs> just like. This is everybody in here just sighed heavily. <sighs> Please excuse the vomiting noises. Blame it on alcohol. Uh, he was in Rushmore in 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was before Wes Anderson got annoying, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I loved Rushmore. Um, uh, later stuff, I didn't even make it through Asteroid City. I don't um, even. I don't even know Asteroid City. It's on the cock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was in the boxer with Daniel Day Lewis in 1997. Uh, he did a voice in the Superman animated series, also 97. Uh, he's in the Red Dwarf TV series again, ninety-seven. Uh, he is in the Long Kiss Goodnight in nineteen ninety-six uh, with a uh, new friend of the show, Craig Bierko. Yeah. Uh, he oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> also in nineteen ninety-six, he's in the Glimmer Man with Steven Seagal. Not even a good Seagal. <laughs> I got excited for wrong. Yeah, this is full on Daishiki wearing Seagal era. Painted on hairline. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like one of his most recent movies, he barely gets out of a fucking chair. <laughs> I do believe that. I believe that very hard. Don't you dare make fun of Steven Seagal like that. <laughs> well, send Vladimir Putin after you. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, don't you know that he could probably kick you like mid, like like lift his leg up like halfway and his like, chair right, right above, above the ankle? ankle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't. I'm not like super confident in my physical abilities. I'm pretty I sure I can take this point. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I'm pretty sure I can take his ass. <laughs> like six three, two fifty. I think I got it. Give me like three, four, like you know, three or four PBRs in me. I I fucking got this. <laughs> <laughs> PBRs. <laughs> yeah, just just a couple of just a couple of old overholt shots and a piece. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Like, I have a bottle of Mad Dog 2020. This will be over in 30 seconds. I got that dog in me. <laughs> yeah, just, just strap on a King Cobra on me and, uh, you know, 40 and I'll be fine. So. Oh, man. I don't want to be anywhere near Steven Seagal in the phrase strap on. Uh, he's in Chain Reaction with Keanu Reeves in 1996. That movie is entirely missable. Yeah. Uh, he is in basically the same movie twice in 1995, Rob Roy and Braveheart. Uh, One of those is way better than that. <laughs> yeah, <movie>. yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Rob, Rob Roy with uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah, Rob Roy I'm, has I'm, amazing fight choreography. Yeah. Braveheart is an amazing fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. It really is. Braveheart's good, yeah. The, Liam, Liam Neeson and Rob Roy have got a particular set of skills, including free <laughs> Ireland from, 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 uh, being, uh, from, from, from English rule. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's a lot of Shakespeare uh, in here. We're in the early 90s right now. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, a lot of English, uh, a lot of English stuff. Um, oh, I'm sorry. There's one very notable mm. credit from 1986. He is the first actor to play Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter. Oh, yeah. Killer. Manhunter yeah. is fucking killer. Awesome movie. All right. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Manhunter is like criminally, criminally underrated. Yeah. Uh, he knocks it out of the park as Hannibal Lecter. Um, yeah, it would be arguably it been... as good as Silence of the Lambs. A hundred percent. I was going to say it would have been an interesting world to see him reprise that role in the later films and, and, and to see, I, 
I'm not sure. I mean, Anthony Hopkins, obviously an incredible actor, but he obviously broke through the mainstream in a, the, the biggest way with that film. Oh, yeah. It would have been really interesting to see what would have happened with Brian Cox if he had done that role originally. So I, in terms of doing the Science of the Lambs film instead of Hopkins. So, yeah, it would have, it would have changed a lot of the vibe of the movie. Uh, well, you know, all the stuff that he was in anyway, uh, because he played it like almost like the Southern Gentleman. Where, you know, in, in Silence of the Lambs, you had this, like, refined, almost, like, posh Yeah, attitude, upper class. Upper like, class yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like with Hopkins' character, too, there is more of an essence of the underlying kind of homosexuality with his character. And so there's like kind of that kind of like little bit of essence there. Whereas I don't get that as much from Cox's version of the character. No, it would have been really an interesting, don't. yeah, just juxtaposition with them too. But, um, but I, Manhunter again is, is just like you guys said, it's criminally underrated man uh, directs the shit out of that movie. Like he does most of his films and it's, yeah, it's, it's so good. Yep. Uh, I just remember when they would play that on TV. On uh, used to play it on WSBK, the Boston Channel, a lot. Uh, they always showed that clip of the the guy in the wheelchair, the you know Freddie Lounge, like flaming wheelchair, like rolling <laughs> oh, down yeah. the street, like yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. He's in an episode of The Hammer House of Horror in 1980. Nice, um, nice. Is there anything else notable? We're in the 70s here. Ah, this is probably where you're gonna. Yeah, a lot of like actor ass actor stuff. Um, we might. Yeah, that's pretty much it. His first role is in 1965, in a TV series called The Wednesday Play. Um, we will move on. Next up, we have Dylan Baker, uh, who played the uh, the sadistic uh, serial killing principal in this movie. He looks like it. He would be. He plays a lot of like fucked up roles. Yeah. Um. He's just got the face. Yeah. What it is. He's got a normal face, but you mix it with those eyes that he's got. <laughs> um, he was you, in, you're, uh, you're right on the money. It's it's the eyes with him. You're really right. It's It really is his eyes. His yeah. eyes are, are, are very blue and kind of just, they. yeah, they're unsettling. They're, they're almost Buscemi-esque, but a little less comedic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Buscemi plays it more comedic. I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, recently, he was in the Amazon series Hunters. He plays an escaped like fugitive Nazi in that. Um, as far as voice work, he's been playing Doctor Doom on the Marvel Wastelanders uh, like series of podcasts, uh, which is pretty cool. He oh does... wow, that's his voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. It does not sound like him at all. Is it, is it like no, really? They do a lot of, I'm sure they do a lot of effects work with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very like it's like what you think Doctor Doom would sound like. It's very kind of robotic. And, Sick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that Wastelander series has is is so much better than it has any right to be. It's it's honestly very very good. Yeah, That's yeah, no. Um, like some of the voice actors they have are crazy. Like Timothy Busfield plays like Old Man Star Lord. Um, Susan Sarandon plays like the Black Widow. Um, uh, there's plenty of other. Like Craig Bierko is Captain America. Is he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn it. Um, fucking be Erico getting it. Yeah, uh, some of the other voices on there. It's like I can look it up. I um, <clears throat> I haven't actually listened to any of the the Marvel podcasts. Uh, Chris Elliott is Rocket Raccoon. That's right. Oh wow. Yeah, I love Chris Elliott. 
Um, that's a it's perfect casting for him. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I've, I've always wanted, wanted to like uh, going all the way back to like when they when they released like the the first one was it the Wolverine uh, story that they did in podcast form. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I just never got around to them. I just recently found they they did a um, uh, Riddler based one uh, for DC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I just found that. Yeah, they history. did. They did Batman Unmasked, and now they're doing the Riddler one. They did a Harley Quinn one too. Yeah. Are they doing one? And, yeah, the uh, Batman stuff is really good. I and need to listen did, uh, to this Doom Wastelander series. This, this cast is insane. Keith David as Kaven plays the Kingpin. Uh, you have Hamish Linkletter as Sandman. He was the, the priest in uh, Midnight Mass. Yeah. Um, Kristen Johnson as She-Hulk. John Hawks from fucking Deadwood as Claw. Uh, Dylan Baker, of course, is Doctor Doom. I love that his IMDb page photo is him doing his best Sean Penn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look up John Hawks on IMDb, you'd swear that you're looking at Sean Penn. <laughs> it's like Sean Penn circa 1995. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had the mustache, little triangle goatee. Well, and, and I was going to say, too, with Dylan Baker, I know you're going to get to this. I would have killed to see Dylan Baker play an actual lizard in Spider Man. Yes, plays yeah, to play the lizard. And I'm like, he was fantastic as Kurt Connors, and I would have loved to see him actually turn into the lizard at some point. And you know, if Raimi didn't have his bullshit uh, interference from Sony, we might have actually gotten that movie for the third one. So yeah, yeah no, uh, Sony ham-fisted and fucked up something. What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they, like, they were so close to making that. They were, they already plotted to film it. They were going to film it around here, like a lot of it. Why are why are studios like filming around here so often now? Is it just because like nobody else has before? Parts of it look like New York City, like parts of Albany. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the tax credits. So that yeah. too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a big, big thing about that, wasn't there? Uh, anyway, back to uh, the credits here. We're on Dylan Baker. Um, he was in the Elementary TV series that was 2018. The Good Fight. Uh, he played Johnny Carson, and I'm dying up here on Showtime. On uh, five episodes, 27, uh, 2017 through 18. Um. Shows up on last week tonight with John Oliver. Second uh, time tonight that shows up. Uh, he's killing the CBS series, The Good Wife, The Elementalist. Uh, looks like he did some NBC work for a while. Chicago <laughs> PD, Chicago Fire. All the Chicagos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's an Anchorman two in two, uh, 2013. Uh, I still don't want to see that. It's funny. It's funny. Uh, the first one was perfect. <laughs> Anchorman. Well, are we talking about Anchorman Two? Yeah. yeah. Anchorman Two is the perfect assimilation of more is not always better. That's that's really the sums up the film. It's it's, like, it's it's one of those movies that when it hits, it hits good, and when it doesn't, it really is not funny at all. And um, everybody I talk to it, says it's just a vehicle to get to the second fight. Yeah. I, I, and it's not. That's not a terrible way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah, that's actually so. pretty true. <laughs> Never thought of that. Just I'm to make that fight joke a second time. Yeah, I'm yeah. good. I'm good. Fuck. Yeah. That <laughs> that tracks. That tracks. That hurts me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here to do. Uh, he is in Revolutionary Road in 2008 with uh, Kate Winslet and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, too, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Back to Dylan Baker. Uh, he's in an episode of Monk. Uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent. Um, 
He's in that horrible fucking musical Across the Universe. I don't, I don't know why you hold such a grudge just, against Across the Universe. Don't it's like really it. not a bad movie. Don't want it. Don't need it. <laughs> uh, we mentioned he plays Dr. Kirk Connors in Spider-Man 3. Uh, I think he shows up maybe like for a minute in the second one, too. But uh, yeah. it's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there he is. Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Uh, shows up in the West Wing for an episode as well. Uh, he's in the Road to Perdition, two thousand two. That's, that's a really good movie. movie. I haven't seen in a long time. I yeah. love that movie. That movie's great. Yeah. Uh, he's in Original Flavor CSI two thousand one. Uh, he's in Along Came a Spider in two thousand one. Also, those were those uh, Alex Cross like thriller movies. Uh, yeah, Kiss the if, Girls and Along Came a Spider. Yeah, even if you don't like look at specific character stuff like the late 90s early 2000s were a really good time for crime dramas yeah yeah i could see that um he is in the cell in the year 2000 ah fucking underrated great it's, movie yeah it really is i, I have to rewatch. i have to give that a second chance that the, the, the aesthetics in that film alone are just so awesome to watch. And even though yeah. Jennifer Lopez is probably the weakest link of the movie, Vincent D'Onofrio is so unhingedly awesome in that movie. Yeah, he really is. Like, The Cell is... It is criminally underrated, but it's also a little bit of a case of weird for the sake of weird. Yeah, that's what, that's what kills mm -hmm, me on it. Mm -hmm. But you can get past that like the visuals are stunning like you said like there's there's some just like insane shit that you're never gonna see in any other movie yeah and it's so uncomfortable through the whole thing it's just just mwah. yeah and and, and again d'onofrio who i think is one of our most underrated actors who has really worked on so much mainstream stuff i love by, by far my favorite ever Law and Order was Criminal Intent, and I loved him in Criminal Intent. Mm -hmm. um, but him in him in uh, the Cell, I mean him in Daredevil, him in uh, his Kingpin was so good. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's it is perfection. I mean, like anything, I was like when they announced that casting, I go, oh, that's a slam, it's fucking slam dunk. Like, yeah, it was absolute perfect casting. Yep. Um, and his character had so much nuance and was like, okay, cool, he's not just gonna play this very straight crime boss but it was like this kind of this up and these peaks and valleys of this character it was it was phenomenal yeah you wind up kind of falling in love with him as a villain and it's just like it, that's what a good villain should be like you you identify a little bit with them so you understand why they are the way they are no matter how bad they are like you can always disagree with what they're doing but you can be like i, I see why he's that way yeah which is great. Uh, I was also going to mention, I mean, Private Pile, too. Like, yeah. all-time, I mean, memorable, memorable character. character. Like, holy shit. You know what I actually yeah. love him in is Men in Black. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. He's so good in that, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. He's so great in that. Yeah. Oh. The other movie I was going to say, too, that's very underrated is The Salt and Sea with Val Kilmer. And he plays a drug boss in that movie. And he is delightfully unhinged in that, too. Really? Like, I, I haven't seen, seen that one. one. Oh, uh, it's great. It's it's he uh, Val Kilmer plays a undercover uh, cop who is like effectively a junkie, and he's trying to find out who murdered his wife, um, and, and and like kind of going through the Salton Sea, which is like this very drug invested area in, um, I believe in Utah that they're they're in, and like yeah, it's it's really good. It's a lot of fun. That that, that sounds, sounds awesome. awesome. Like, like, how old is that movie? 
Like I think it came I out think. in like late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, yeah, okay. I want to I, I want to say I worked at the movie theater when that came out, so that had to be like 2000. That must have just it gone completely under my radar. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and again, D'Onofrio just fantastic in it, so yeah. good. Um, we were speaking about uncomfortable things before. Uh, he's in Requiem for a Dream in 2000. <laughs> speaking, I don't, don't like that movie. movie. I just don't, don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I remember ass. watching it, and I was like, I'm never going to do drugs again. And then yeah. the next day, I probably smoked weed. But yeah, Two things I'm never going to do again. Drugs and watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, if I want to watch, like, a, I guess, just like a, a heroin movie, I'm going to watch Trainspotting because it's a better made movie. Trainspotting is good. I, I do yeah. enjoy Trainspotting a lot. Uh, he was in an episode of Oz. Uh, <laughs> Talk about uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, he was also in Happiness in 1988. That was a fucked up movie. Which uh, one was that? He, it's like a kind of like a like an ensemble type of movie. Yeah, and he he plays a pedophile on that. It's he, fucked up. It's yeah, like he he's like up. this like dad and his family like his kids having a sleepover, and like he puts like like pills into the ice cream they're all having. Like, uh, like, I don't like that. Yeah, so he can molest the kid. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's pretty brutal. He's got the look. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, he was in an episode of the Cosby <laughs> Mysteries in 1994. <laughs> oh, what a segue. Fucking segue. Holy shit. Oh, man. <laughs> night, night. Yeah. Let's, let's just wrap that up. <laughs> oh, you couldn't ask for a better setup than that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, he's in The Last of the Mohicans in 1992, which Amazing. is a classic, classic movie. Classic movie. Uh, anything else worth mentioning? He's in an episode of Spencer for Hire and Miami Vice in 1988. He's in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in 1987. That's notable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Ish time. Oh, that's yeah. That's, uh, that, well, that's, that's a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. That's a Thanksgiving movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, he's in Ishtar in 1987. That movie was a punchline for a very long time. Ishtar? Yeah. Because it was so bad? I, I've yes. never seen it, but apparently, yeah, it's uh, Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty, and apparently it was terrible. Uh, moving on, up next, Rochelle uh, Ayates? Ayates? Let's, so let's think one of those is right. Sure. <laughs> Uh, as she's one of the werewolf girls, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, she's one of the werewolf girls. As far as some of the things she was in, she was in the Purge TV series for ten episodes. Um, she was in four episodes of the Hawaii Five O reboot, uh, ten episodes of Criminal Minds. Uh, she was in three episodes of Desperate Housewives. You're not selling me on this segment here. Yeah, I'm like, there, there had to have been a reason I saved her. I Left for Dead 2. Yeah, she was a voice uh, in Left for Dead 2. That was 19, or, excuse me, 2009. Yeah. Um, she was an episode of Bones. Why did I save her? I, I don't, don't know. know. CSI New who, York. Who, who, sorry, who was this again? It was. She's one of the werewolf girls. Uh, oh, Rochelle. okay. Yeah, Rochelle uh, Itace, I think her eights. name is. Eights. 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 Ma uh, Maria is her yeah, name. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Um, she's in Medea's Family Reunion in 2006. Oh, she's in White Chicks in 2004. <laughs> That's probably That's... why I saved her. <laughs> wow. Any chance you can mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Her you first... sure it wasn't the Sex in the City? I was like, her first role is Sex in the City in 2003. Uh, let's see. Quinn Lord, who we mentioned earlier on, plays Sam in this movie. Uh, as far as some of the other things he's in, uh, currently he's in Firefly Lane. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Uh, he was in 21 episodes of The Man in the High Castle on Amazon. I still haven't watched it, which is terrible because I'm a big Phil K. Dick fan. Yeah, I watched the first series and it was good, and I just didn't care when it came back in the second really? season. Yeah. Um, he's in R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour TV series, 2011, 2012. Uh, Once Upon a Time in 2012. My wife was obsessed with that show. It was like the, uh, like the where they're like real life fairy tales or whatever. Yeah, yeah. they like crossed over into the real world. And fables, basically, like the TV show. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Just with way less sex and violence. <laughs> uh, he's in an episode of Fringe in 2010. Uh, that, that show was like the ultimate switcheroo. Because like... It started out as an anthology that became like a heavy, heavy, like yeah. long running, like overarching story. Yeah, what I wanted. I, I feel like I, I feel like that's X Files though too. I mean, X Files was the classic monster of the week thing. Yeah, and then it really went into the full blown long kind of like I love X Files when it's monster of the week, and when it gets into the full blown conspiracy, it really gets bogged down for well, me. So the thing with X Files though is like you can kind of watch it happen because it's a little more overarching story each season but with fringe it was like you get this thing and then bang there you are yeah like, it was always like more baked into the premise where like oh it's it's you know it's an anthology like thing of the week oh but surprise like all these things of the week are actually connected to this art larger like interdimensional right. like battle like story yeah it just it started off as what I wanted and turned into what I didn't want. I still loved it. I, I loved that show. I've been meaning super high it. quality. Like I don't want yeah. to take anything away from it. That yeah. Way. Now the, the quality of Fringe is very high. It's just like the quality with X Files. I mean, honestly, the quality of X Files for the first four to six seasons, it's high. It's really yeah. high. Yep. I, I think it fell off in the fucking Robert Patrick years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. I, there's undoubtedly, I think once they get into the first movie, that's where for me, it falls off like yeah. right around when the first movie premiered. Yeah. So you can only carry that, that one thing for so long. I didn't even watch that last movie. I heard it was just terrible. Oh really? Yeah. 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 I, I wasn't interested at all. Um, like I said, the, the, I mean, I rem the first. I mean, for me, the first two seasons in particular of X Files are just stellar. I mean, yeah, you get the Fluke Man, and it's you just get, so like, weird. Yeah, it's so weird, and all of the weird cases they encounter are just awesome. And there's a little bit of alien stuff sprinkled in. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Yep, it was definitely a wild ride for two seasons. Uh, let's see, he was in two episodes of Smallville in 2007, one episode of Masters of Horror the same year. Uh, which, which one? Uh, let's take a look. One episode. I will say for Masters of Horror, Cigarette Burns is a, another killer John Carpenter. Cigarette Burns rules. Who did that one? John Car uh, John Carpenter. Okay. Uh, he said, we all scream for ice cream. Who did this one? I don't know. I love the, um, I love Imprint. Tom Holland. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, wasn't there too. Wasn't there incident at uh incident at a something road or something like that? That like was the Toby Hooper road. one, right? Uh not Toby Hooper, but the another director. Um fuck. 
Uh, he he's absolutely great in it though. Yeah. Incident. Uh, Goddamn. Speaking of Tom Holland, incident I just on watched... off a mountain road. That's what it's called. Yeah, incident on, and that had Angus Scrim in it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was directed by Don Carscarelli, who yep. did Phantasm. Yeah, that's yep. really good. Speaking of Tom Holland, I watched uh, Fright Night earlier today. Did you? Yeah. So good. Yeah, I do love that movie. That's another. That's another great Halloween one. That's another good ho- October yeah. month watch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what did you guys think about the remake of, of Fright Night? We, I thought it was solid. It was not. Yeah, it's it's a completely different Fright. movie than the first one. I mean, it's got the same premise, but the feel is completely different. I still enjoyed it for what it was. I love David Tennant. I thought he was great in that. I still haven't seen that. David Tennant was fun. Yeah. And I honestly thought Colin Farrell was great in it, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's Jerry. He's he's awesome as Jerry in that. Yeah. I just, I don't know. <clears throat> I just, I never got around to it. I think it's, it's always been like, yeah, I should watch that. But I'm going to watch this first. It's solid. It's yeah. solid, I will say, yeah. Uh, shows up in an episode of Blade the Series. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Is that Sticky Fingers from Onyx as, it as is. Blade? It is. <laughs> Up next, Lauren Lee Smith. She was another one of the werewolf girls. Um, she. Oh, she was the older sister. Yeah. 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 Uh, some of the notable stuff she was in. She was in The Shape of Water in 2017, oh. which awesome, yes. awesome movie. I um, was so close to giving that a ten out of ten. Yeah. Really did that. Um, she's Michael Shannon's wife uh, in that movie. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, his character is just so fucked up and so, so great in that movie. It's uncomfortable to look at him. Like, yeah, his rotting finger. Like, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, he's like a, a just a piece of shit. <laughs> like, I liked him in, um, Boardwalk Empire too. Like, he was just a detestable. Oh, he's so amazing in Boardwalk Empire. That movie, that, that show is fantastic yeah yeah i've only seen the first two seasons but it's it's worth to watch the whole thing it's good it's william really forsyth good. is awesome in that show his character he's just like jewish mobsters like a butcher like yeah yeah, yeah. that show is a lot of fun yeah, yeah there's there's really nothing to to complain about in that entire thing well in, in what i've seen but um she shows up in an episode of psych in 2010 it's a fun show that overstayed its welcome yeah. uh she shows up in 22 episodes of the original csi again uh, she... <laughs> uh let's see trick-or-treat of course 2007 uh, she also, also shows up in Blade the series in 2006. What the hell? Uh, she's in 20 episodes of The L Word from 2004 to 2006. Uh, Art School Confidential 2006. Uh, she's in the early 2000s reboot of The Twilight Zone 2003. Uh, she's in 44 episodes of Mutant X. That was a uh, syndicated like TV show from the early 2000s. Was that was that like an X Men thing? Or was that... Not at all. They just like they were like think it would be yeah. like hey, you know what we can cash in on? Yeah, two words has <laughs> nothing to do with X Men. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was in uh, an episode of Dark Angel, the James Cameron series. Oh, so good, love it. Uh, she's in Get, Get Carter, Carter with Sylvester Stallone in 2000. Uh, and her first role in 1996 uh, includes us in music video, it looks like. Oof. Uh, up next, we have Brett Kelly. He played Thurman the- Merman himself. Yeah, yeah, he played the, uh, the, uh, the kid who gets killed by the, uh, the principal. 
Uh, yeah, that's his most famous role. He's, he's the kid in, in Bad Santa. Yeah. <laughs> Thurman Merman. Uh, anything else notable? He's in Slapshot 3. I, I... I will. I will not watch anything past the first one. Yeah. I will not. I will not allow anything to sully <laughs> my mental image of the movie Slapshot. <laughs> he is also in the "We All Scream for Ice Cream" episode of Masters of Horror. Uh, let's see. Like Mike Two, The Sandlot Two, uh, Dead Like Me shows up in three episodes of that in two thousand four. Uh, and his first role, Kill Me Later, two thousand one. He's in the movie Out Cold, also in two thousand one. That was like a uh, like a wacky comedy uh, for snowboarders. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Britt McKillop. Uh, she was, I think, one of the younger girls. She was the younger girl, Macy. Uh, yeah, who was um like luring Rhonda out like that. Oh, before. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's her. Um. Some of the notable stuff. She has a lot of voice work, actually. Um, she's in 12 episodes of the Lego Ninjago TV series. My kids will be thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> she's in uh, a lot of, like, My Little Pony stuff. Princess Candace. Or Cadence. I can't read. <laughs> she is in Lego Marvel Avengers as the head scientist. <laughs> she's also in Lego Jurassic World. Um, she's in a lot of the Lego Jurassic World stuff. She plays um, Bryce Dallas Howard's character in the Lego versions uh, of Jurassic Park. Oh, uh, okay. Um, we're My Little Pony, Warren and Jago. Jesus. Strawberry Shortcake. A lot of voice work. Um, this. She's in, yeah, a lot of... She's in the series and the uh, the Dead Like Me movies. She is uh, George's younger sister, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, Reggie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff with uh, the Bratz cartoon. Ugh. Yeah, a lot of voice work. Not much for our audience. I'm feeling a little creepy looking at all this. I don't know. Yeah, we're definitely on some kind of watch list now. But... Don't worry. We all moved on to the porn title while you were doing that. Oh, it did started you? before. All right. And it bled into you talking about that. <laughs> what are what are some of the, uh, the titles we have out there? We have a, a, a potential winner. I did Tricker Meat. Yeah. Uh, Treater Meat. Liquor Feet. Oh, yeah. Tug My Meat. And then... We have the potential winner here, Dick or Treat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's the one. Dick or Treat. <laughs> uh, or Dick or Meat. <laughs> yeah. Dick or Sweet. Oh, dick or Feet. Oh, ah, yeah. Ah. Well, you you got to pick one or the other? other. Yeah. What's a Dick or? Uh, let's see. She's in an episode of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. Uh, her first role is in 1995 in an episode of The Magic School Bus. Uh, last up, Leslie Bibb, uh, who plays the girl who gets killed right at the beginning of the movie. Uh, I forget her name off the top of my head. Uh, but she is in a lot of stuff. Uh, She's had more... a great career, too. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, she did some voice work in Robot Chicken recently. She played... I'm shocked that Robot Chicken is still going. I think it finally just like finished up recently. Yeah, yeah. 
Jesus Christ. Um, she is a recurring role in like the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. She's like a reporter, uh, like the Iron Man uh, movies. Okay. Um, she was uh, on that show, Jupiter's Legacy, on Netflix in two- 2021, which got canceled after the first season. <laughs> Probably rightfully so. It, uh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't great. It's was based on a Mark Millar comic. Yeah, I was going to say, it was like a, a book series. Yeah. Um, she's in the movie Tag in 2018 with Jeremy Renner and um, uh, Jake Johnson and uh, like a whole bunch of, like Hannibal Burris, a whole bunch of people in that movie. Um, what else here? She was in seven episodes of The League. Uh, I absolutely love that show. Uh, a couple episodes of the Odd Couple reboot in 2015. I gave that like two episodes. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie shows up a lot in our credits. Movie 43, she was in that. Jesus Christ. Um, she was in Hell Baby, which I think we mentioned recently on an episode. Uh, or that might have been a conversation not being recorded. I don't remember. I don't know. It was because uh, I watched it. I don't think it was. Yeah. Oh, did, why would you watch something called Hell Baby? Uh, oh, wait, no, never mind. <laughs> hey, yeah, 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 I, did, I, I remember why. Wait, yeah, I had to reconfigure. Yeah. Who the fuck am I talking <laughs> Correct. to? Correct. But fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 2011, she's in a good old-fashioned orgy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of a movie, huh? Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned, she's in the first two Iron Man movies. Uh, oh, there's one title coming up that I, I am going to read verbatim, and uh, please don't be offended, anyone. Oh, the Midnight Meat Train. No, 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 no. Good You'll see it when it... There it is. Uh, she was in t- t- CSI Miami in 2007, <laughs> an episode of Atlanta, or excuse me, Entourage in 2007. Also in 2007, she's in a short film called My Wife is Retarded. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How do you think that's a good choice? <laughs> and that's the night art died. Fuck. Are you going to make it? I think we're about to be down a producer. <laughs> He's having a stroke. <laughs> just, go, turn the just remember me as I am and just keep doing the show. <laughs> oh shit, Talladega Nights. Yeah, she yes. is. Uh, she oh, is yeah. Will Ferrell's wife in Talladega Nights. That movie's so good. Yeah, it's so stupid, but it's so good. Part of the Diamond and Ice Storm. <laughs> I could be my son's Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> she's in the skulls. Oh, jacked up uh, on Mountain Dew. <laughs> God. She's in the skulls in 2000 with Joshua Jackson. Um, as far as oh, she's in an episode of Just Shoot Me. She's in the Howard Stern movie Private Parts in 1997. Goddamn. She's in it for a second. WNBC. Yeah, she's an NBC page uh, in that movie. Uh-huh. Uh, her first role, 1996, in the USA yes. drama. Pacific yes. Blue. So good. <laughs> uh, and that will do it for the better known as segment of the show. All right. We are off and running into the crapshoot. Yeah. <laughs> How loud is that? Yeah. yeah. Well. Um, anything to mention in, comment, uh, in comments before we go on? No. That's just him and the Frank Welker yeah. guys. We just going we ham. We did porn stuff for a while. And I died for a bit there. Did some porn stuff, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan stepped away for a second, but I was going to ask him about the podcast. Well, 
That's fine. Um, that gives me an opportunity to go take a leak. Oh, you want to do a beer right back? Or no, we'll lose the. Uh, yeah, just. Not worth it. Yeah, Bob we'll them. lose the. Uh, we'll lose the thing. It is an episode of the Chris Show, ladies and gentlemen. The show that only happens when Chris is low. Oh, rides back, and that's this episode oh, of the Chris Show. Yeah. I was about to start talking too. <laughs> <laughs> Nick also got up for a second. Um, yeah, no, we'll. Um, this is the part where we kind of just talk about what we want. I, I was going to ask about the show, the podcast. Um, Ah, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were talking about Tales from the Crypt before. That's, you know, obviously a pretty big influence. But how how did you go about getting into it? What made you kind of want to develop a, uh, you know, an audio drama? Yeah, I, um, during, right before the pandemic, the idea was I wanted uh, to do shorts that were anthology-based. And, you know, Quibi was coming out at that time. Everybody was like, oh, this short style is going to be a big thing. Obviously, pandemic happens. Quibi goes under. Yeah. Um, people are like, this is not going to work. Um, and I was like, okay. We had produced three of these shorts of, coming, of at that time. Me too. They were called Welcome <laughs> to the Horror Show. And it was this idea of doing kind of like short anthology-based segments, kind of like Tales from the Crypt. And they would be like, you know, you know, eight to 12 minutes. And we produced three of them. One was called ping, which I wrote and directed, which was like about a, a, an Uber driver who ends up picking up like a ghost passenger. And then my uh, partner at the time, grace um, uh, wrote and directed. Uh, she wrote and directed one called Turkey sleigh. And that was kind of found footage. And then the last one was called La Calavera, which was kind of a, a Hispanic kind of Christmas horror tale. And um, when that didn't really go, you know, anywhere. Um, I ended up getting involved in Clubhouse when that was a thing in about 2020, 2021. And that was an audio based only app where you could talk to people. And I ended up getting on there at kind of the beginning. And I partnered up with a, a buddy of mine and we ended up doing live table reads. So we did live table reads of Scream with Tori Spelling, uh, Josh Rubin, Noah Segan. Other people were involved with me on that, which was super fun. We ended up doing another one after that called Get Out, which Sarday Sellers helped me produce, and she helps produce the podcast. Um, and um, we actually had Monkey Paw listen in on that, um, and they loved it, which was super fun. And then we ended up doing Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th with Kelly Maroney nice. and um, Christina Klebe and some other great actors. Uh, I'm actually and interviewing her in a couple weeks, actually, at a con in November. She's fantastic, man. Absolutely wonderful. Love her. Um, and the, for me, when I got into audio, I was like, well, it's way cheaper to, to do my short films as audio plays rather than just go out and film them. And, you know, I produced two, um, I produced two short films this year. One of them is called picture. It's on the short film or it's on the festival circuit. Right now. Another one has not yet been released, but it's called Dawn of the dad. Um, and that's going to be also out um, soon. But I, I love really great horror stories that are not super long. And so for your horror show, I was like, well, I want to continue to do this thing. I love anthology. Um, but I had to make it work in a way that was like um, just just not supremely expensive. And, and audio, you can do so much more with, with so much less. And, um, and so 
I was able to call in a bunch of favors um, and, you know, the, the episodes we produced at this point, which at this point now we have six episodes with plus a trailer, our Halloween special comes out next week. That'll have Josh Rubin in it doing a rendition of the Telltale Heart. I've got a couple of Ooh, other nice. podcasters that are involved with it. Um, and then my my friend Sabina, who who reads a Halloween poem at the end. Um, but it's stylized after like, you know, the 60s, 70s specials in um, uh, on network TV that were Halloween specials at that time that were yeah. kind of cheesy and fun. And then kind of probably have at least four to five more episodes throughout the rest of the year closing out the year until we take a, a small break and then we'll come back again. Um, but I've been lucky enough to, to have really wonderful, talented performers that want to work with me. And, um, and I, I try to write for the most part, I've written almost all the episodes so far, save for one, which is going to come out later that someone else written, which is really good. Um, but yeah, man, it's been, I, I, for me, I love the audio medium of trying to tell a story and, um and lucky enough that the people that have listened to the show have really enjoyed it so far so yeah i gotta say like the the quality of the voice acting you're getting is yeah really really good and the like the foley work and the music like everything just works it clicks it everything is just like it's atmosphere at 10 like it, it's really really effective and that's what really you, like man. drew me in. Like, yeah, I love an anthology. I love something I can, you know, jump in and jump out of. I don't have to have like a huge commitment to. Uh, and then for the quality of that to be super high, just is like is remarkable because you have to have, you know, like you have to find people that are good for every episode. You know, like I don't know how many like holdovers you have, you know, like episode to episode, but it, it always sounds like you have fresh voices and everybody is like really, really putting in the work. Yeah. I mean, I, I try, I try like classic anthology to not repeat my voices very often. Um, and, and I want to really make it sound fresh and, and really tailor the episodes to people's voices. I think is the big thing because I really mm -hmm. want them to sound like my buddy, Dominic, who does the, the pilot episode bullet. He's just, he was he originally read for Tony Soprano's character for the Sopranos, and he no was that, oh wow that that yeah he he really is that type of voice like I, he really can't as he had that game. voice like that yeah I got like major like I can see like Joe Pesci doing like the movie version of this kind of vibe yeah a hundred percent yeah he 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 that bullet that that episode was my because I, I love the Sopranos but I was like what would what would an episode of The Sopranos be like if Polly saw a ghost? That, that's, how, yeah. that's how I thought <laughs> yeah. about it. And, yeah. and, 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 and I, I thought, I was, oh, this will be, be fun. And so I just um, like that. And then with Leviathan, Sarah Booth is, is one of our producers, Gavin Booth's wife. And she's a phenomenal actor. And she was just in um, Three Pines, which was on Amazon. And it's, uh, it's with, um, oh, my God, it's with Alfred Molina. So oh, she, nice, she yeah. played yeah. The, the supporting role in that she's so good in that uh um, my, my buddy matt was the space, space, space one, one? Yeah. yeah space one yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 and uh yeah that's um and then thank you to frank welker saying i love the easy easy style episode art yeah man that's 100 percent the vibe we're going for and um the um my buddy matt catanzano who was you know in first date he's he's such a great horror creative and then 
um, you know, Toothless, my buddy, uh, the, the guy I'm helping produce me too, Jonathan, helped craft that story that was originally short of his that he wanted to to, to then adapt into audio. So we did that. And yeah, then, I love that. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. I, I, I think that one is really tales from the crypt deep for for the ending, and um, and then with till death, my buddy Jamie, who's worked with me on a couple of a, of those table reads, she was so great in that. And then the latest episode we did, bump in the night, I had my buddy Mark Redfield, who's actually in the new uh, Mike Flanagan show, uh, the uh, the House of Usher. the House of I, all the House of Usher. I, I watched, watched the first episode, episode of that last night. night really fucking good yeah I watch yeah i'm really i'm really excited to dive into that i know it just premiered and and he's uh he's got he's in a couple of episodes that's a small bit part he is such an incredible voice actor um and so yeah I, i'm really i really feel privileged to work with the amount of incredible talent incredibly talented people that i work with i love them um and they they always <laughs> trust me with their time and they just, you know, they're I, I, I do my best to craft stories that hopefully they'll say, oh yeah, I'm I'm game to to, to voice this. So uh, that's that's really awesome. Like the, the fact that you have people that are willing to work with you in this like like uh, podcasts are everywhere, but like the audio drama part of it is I think starting to flourish because for a long time it. A podcast was basically just talk show. Like it's just kind of yeah. what we do here. But audio dramas are really starting to take off, and you had like the Marvel shows and, and things like that. But you also have like um, like a big one right now is um, was it Patient sixty eight? Uh, I was going to say too that the new K sixty eight. The newest um, one they just they just released it on Audible is uh, Slayers, and it's all about it's it has most. Cast from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There was yeah. a lot of stuff going on with that this weekend in New York. Yeah, I when we were leaving yesterday, they had an entire cheer squad like out in front of one of really? the yeah like one of the entrances like doing like a Slayers thing. Like they all had Slayers like cheer uniforms on. That's like, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like you're getting shows that have like Oscar Isaacs and Julianne Moore in them, like yeah. as as your main characters, and then they're producing them as well. So like, there's it's it's like it's turning into a high stakes game. No, I think I think the deal with audio dramas and, and people are slowly starting to realize it in the past three to five years is that it, it's way less expensive than doing a, a film or a TV show. Yeah. And if you get, you know, like we had Archive 81 that got adapted, obviously, into yep. a, a Netflix show uh, because of that audio drama. But I mean, you have some just absolutely killer ones i mean you have old gods of appalachia you've it's got fantastic um, yeah 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 you've got the magnus uh, uh the magnus, magnus archive, archive. Yep. i mean yeah i mean there's 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 some audio dramas that are legitimately hugely popular things and entities and and for me i just look at like while i love what no sleep does as like kind of its own kind of anthology thing mm -hmm. i felt like there was a big void of like not getting my type of anthology which is i want a tales from the crypt i want a host i want like the the kind of the the really deranged fucked up black humor mixed in with like really solid acting mixed in with like really solid storytelling yeah. And that was one of the things for me. I was like, I just looked around and I said, I don't really know if there's much out there for me. So I, I, I was like, I, I think I just need to do my own. So. Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple of shows out there right now that that kind of touch on that, but nothing as like wearing its influence on its sleeve the way your horror show does. And 
I appreciate that about it because it it's not afraid to be like this is this is what I love this is my influence here's my interpretation of it where you get a lot of other shows that are like you can tell that they're influenced by a thing but they're trying to like shy away and be so drastically different that it it doesn't have that same like panache uh so you're looking for that nostalgia hit and you get that with your horror show if you know if you're a giant tales from the crypt fan or you know tales from the dark side or you know the creep show stuff like there's that level it's a i'm using this word as respective respectfully as i can there's a level of cheese that goes along with it that really is in the dna of the source material and the inspiration and it comes through in like a really fantastic way I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and I, don't, I take zero offense to that. I believe me when I say I'd like to, I, I don't, again, like we were talking about, there's some essence of, I just want the stories to be fun and I want them to be something yeah. that people go, Oh, this is this, I like, enjoy listening to this. And I can totally tell where the influence is coming from. And I understand where it, where, where you're going with this. And I don't, um, and again, it's like, I, I it's not that I think that, you know, when I look at a movie like tail or like Trick or Treat, like we're talking about this whole episode, I just think they did what I want to do, which is they 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 crafted a story that they say, "Great, we're going to tell really good stories. We're going to get really good actors. There's going to be a certain level of cheese with this, yep. but it's all going to be played very fun, very straight." Um, and um, I I just that's the type of stories I absolutely love to tell. And so I, I just don't think there's enough of it on the market because horror has become so serious that like we we kind of devolve into this place where it's like, well, it has to all mean something and have this depth. And and I'm like, I'm not saying that it doesn't and, and that great horror doesn't have that. It does always, but there also is still the fun factor associated with any of this stuff most of the time. Yeah. It's 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 exactly what we need right now. It's like there's so much, like we were, I was saying before, there's so much elevated horror, which is fine and respectable, and they're treating it as an art form, which is, you know, rightfully so. They're artists. They're, they're making, making their art. art. It's whatever. whatever. Not exactly what we need right now. <clears throat> Again, there's okay? just there's just yeah. so much of it. I, that's my thing. It's like if we if we didn't have that much of it, I could say yeah, great. But now it's devolved. It's gone from the pendulum. Always does. I feel like swing back and forth through time yeah. where we go, Oh, we're at a really, you know, very serious horror. And then we swing back to kind of comedic or more like kind of fun horror. And then it swings back again, you know, at a certain point. So, yep. It's so like, 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 you know, like the eighties were inundated with slasher movies and things like that. And I'm sure people got bored with that. And then they progressed to the point where we're at now. I think we need a regression. We need dumb fun. Yeah. You don't need big monsters that are full of gore. You just don't yeah. get it. And, and, and again, I love anthology. Like anthology to me is is just kind of there's something so special about it. I just I always and maybe it's my nostalgia, but I associate so much of what horror is through anthology and what it, it kind of represents for the horror genre, which is quick little bites of fun kind of camp and like pulp and like this idea of like you reading a comic when you're not supposed to be reading it at night, you watching a horror movie on late at night when you're, you know, under the covers. I remember watching, um, uh, what's it called? Um, the not, not 
not dry, the last drive-in, but when Joe Bob is doing the other monster show. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, watch, watching that on TNT and like, yep. you know, later. And again, there's all this element of like watching these stories is so, it, it, you know, it gives you a certain element of it. And I really want to inject that into the show and kind of like have that be kind of the element hopefully that people when they listen to it they're like oh yeah this is this is it's well produced it's fun it's and it's exactly what i'm i would hope to be getting with something like this yeah it definitely lands um how how long did it take you to develop the your narrator like personality the the mr graves uh aspect of it or was it just kind of like a this will work throw on some it's funny because i'll send you guys it you know maybe when we get off at some point i'll send you guys a link of the of the the makeup work that we did with the shorts because like we we didn't we didn't have a a name for this character yet when we did those and we just kind of like like presented it and looking in hindsight i was like oh yeah we, we need a name for this character we need something to to bring it to life but i think i i for me, what I tried to blend in was kind of a little bit of sophistication of Rod Serling mixed in with the kind of maniacal kind of comedic aspect of the Crypt Keeper and kind of melding those two characters together. And But I'm like, you have to have a laugh of some sort because like Vincent Price and like all of these great horror icons, they've all had like one type of like laugh or kind of sinister thing that they do um, that really makes you remember like, oh, right, yeah, they do that and that's fun. And like, that's what is like the, that kind of like, you know, trademark essence of a character, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of any other questions I have. I, I'm still like exhausted from like this past couple of days. Yeah, how was, how was New York Comic Con? Uh, I will talk about the con a little bit. It was, it was fun, man. It's, I, it is the one show that I still go to, uh, like at least partially as a fan, not like one hundred percent business. Yeah. Um. So there, it is nice to like, oh, you don't have to worry about a table. Like, if I'm you know if I'm away from the table for a while, like what do I have? Like, am I doing my panel in a couple minutes? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Um. So it is very nice. You just kind of enjoy yourself. Yeah, and like it is, it's one of the you know again doing cons as often you know as we do. It's one of the few places where I can still, like, see things that I know are going to, like, wow me. Like, okay, wow, that's something I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, saw some saw some awesome stuff. Um, I saw so many, like, NECA horror figures that I wanted to buy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, like, they had the, the classic Dracula one that I wanted. Like, that was, like, oh, 40, yeah. 45 bucks. I'm like... Not so bad, though. That's almost retail. They had some of the ones that they're coming out with, like, on display. Like, there's one another accessory set coming out for the Frankenstein one that we have. Oh, nice. And it's like another, like, lab table, but it's more like, kind of like there's equipment and, like, you know, yeah. it's... Looks... I'm, I'm curious, what's your what's your favorite Universal horror film? For me, like, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's close. I mean, like, for me, Frankenstein's up there, and, like, I'm going to have to go with Dracula as, like, probably this next one. Like they're 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 pretty neck and neck for me. My favorite, okay. So my favorite Universal monster is Frankenstein. Like it's my favorite monster, just bar none mm-hmm. across the board. I I will say that Bride of Frankenstein is a better film than Frankenstein. Yeah, I could see that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So the, probably it, Bride of Frankenstein. It's funny. 
I recently rewatched uh, Son of Frankenstein, and I was like, man, this is great. I, I forgot how too. good Son of Frankenstein was. It is really good. It's, it's a little... Is that the one with Bella Lugosi? It feels a, no. it feels a little longer than the normal ones. I think it's like 20 minutes longer than some of the other ones. Like, yeah. It, 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 it has a little bit more length, but it's funny because... You know, I rewatch Young Frankenstein every year, and it feels like they borrowed more from Son of Frankenstein yes. than they did any other film. We actually talked about this uh, the Recently, other week, yeah. but like, you know, the the, the, the wooden arm, arm. You know, yeah. like, all that stuff. That was all, you know, Son of Frankenstein <laughs> yanked. Um, it the, kind of the plot of Young Frankenstein is mostly Son of Frankenstein. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and again, I love, uh, I love Bella as, as, you know, Igor and like, that's such a fun character. And, um, yeah, yeah it was, it was, it was really great. I was talking to somebody last night too. Cause I just, I rewatched Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and I did, I watched Abbott and Costello meet, you know, uh, meet Frankenstein. That's and, a, a um, well-crafted horror comedy. Well, and it's so funny because Abbott and Costello hated that movie. I mean, they hated working on it. Um, they thought the script was terrible. Really? Um, and I'm like looking at it back, back then and I'm like, man, this is like the MCU. This was like the first thing <laughs> yeah. ever to do this crossover thing. Yeah. Other than like the old like uh, variety shows, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. They have like, yeah, like Bela Lugosi show up in a coffin or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw like uh, a couple of the uh, like Creature from Black Lagoon ones that they're coming out with. It looks so, so, so awesome. Yeah, nice. Um, they had every one except the fucking one that I was looking for of the turtles, like crossover with the monsters. Which one didn't wait? I think there's only five of them out now. Uh, I saw for sale, um, the Frankenstein one. Got it. Um, there's April O'Neil as Bride. Bride, Bride. Got it. Casey Jones as Phantom of the Opera. I had in my hand. And you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I need that one. I had it in my hand. Oh my god! Um, that, that's in a, that's in a shop right by me. That's at, that's actually at a, it's a store called Blast from the Past, and they have that in there. Oh, yeah, they're so good. There was yeah, the, those are um, awesome. Those are fun. The Mummy one. Uh, the Mummy is Michael Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Yeah. Uh, which one is Raphael? He he's Frankenstein. He's right? Frankenstein. I want the uh, Splinter as Van Helsing. That's the one I wanted. I cannot. I can't find that one anymore. There's Donatello as the Invisible Man. Yeah, and Casey Jones as the Phantom. Yeah, there's another. Uh, there's a Raphael as the Wolfman coming out too. What? There's uh, another Leonardo one coming out too. Um, I haven't seen any of these available to buy. Anywhere. Yeah, I, I want the Splinter as Van Helsing one so bad. I cannot find that one. <laughs> they're amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder, wonder if they're regional. regional. Like you can only get them. Maybe. That'd be terrible. I thought for sure I was gonna find. I I found everyone but that one. God damn. Um, I saw. I went to the Bandai like booth. I saw some of the Godzilla stuff. Mm-hmm. It was nice, like going to the display case and being like, "I've got that. I've got that. I've got that. I've got that." Like, yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, but I mean, just uh, I had an awesome time. I was Dally, walked around, um, got some awesome, awesome art. I was gonna show it off. And then I got super motivated today and actually hung it up. Yeah. Uh, but I got an awesome print uh, from the thing that's hanging up right now from Chris Schweitzer. <clears throat> um, I got an awesome Ninja Turtles print uh, from uh, Jim of Food, who is one of my all-time favorite, favorite artists. Yeah. 
Um, there's also some other prints we got uh, like a week or two ago. There's a punk uh, rock flea market up here. Um, we got two prints from uh, Raymond Lowell. Uh, that's the, uh, the the King Kong and the, like the uh, the tentacles one, and then yeah. the uh, Little Shop of Horror one there. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, lots of awesome stuff at the con. Lots of awesome artists. Um, I just I'm just exhausted. <laughs> it's so so exhausted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, looking forward to next year already. Uh, being a California guy, have you gone to San Diego Comic Con? I I went to it uh, back. When the first Spider-Man film was released, which was what I believe two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah, like two thousand two, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went that year till two thousand twelve, so I went ten years straight oh, wow. um, to that. And it was I saw the evolution of that con from it being all about comics, which was effectively when I first went to effectively getting more and more and more and more corporate studio kind of thing. Yeah, they basically um, and then I kind of pop culture cons baby basically becoming pop culture con then i kind of stopped going i didn't go as much um uh but i loved going to those when it did happen i went i went a lot but now i live in i live at burbank i mean i live right across the street from warner brothers and so this whole area is just filled with halloween awesomeness and so there's a plenty of great stores we have the mystic museum we've got slashback video We've got Blast from the Past, which has tons and tons of Halloween just trinkets, toys, you know, awesome horror shit. Yeah. Um, and um, and I just I love living in this city. It's it's it is just the best when it comes to horror. Like we, for real. Like Slashback all- Video is one of the reasons I want to go back to Los Angeles. I haven't been in so long. Uh, yeah, like Universal yeah, Horror Nights. Awesome. Like I would love to go to that. Like, yeah, we just went to Universal Horror Nights. I will say this this year was pretty weak. Unfortunately, I thought in terms of its overall amazingness, I did go to a an immersive haunt that my buddy uh, JP Allette helped produce, which was called Angel of Light, and that was at the uh, Los Angeles Theater, and that was like an hour long walkthrough, um, and it was so much fun, so awesome. So that sounds rad. I've never been. I I'm just stuck in podunk parts of new york we'll get there we'll get there man we'll get there <laughs> I, it, it's worth coming out man to do to do a week and yeah and, and frank i see frank welker's dark delicacies yep i love dark delicacies and he's like and larry's chili dog yeah larry's is is right there it's always closed at like two o'clock but i'm a uh, pigs fan yeah, <laughs> dark delicacies yeah. sounds like a place where you get a goth themed sandwich <laughs> that's a you you it's all god themed stuff but yeah there's no sandwiches unfortunately the, uh, one of them we called like the, 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 the go. like the the, the grubin or something like that like a goth reuben sandwich or something um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no you were saying about the evolution of the con I, i'm in the same boat with new york i i think i've missed like three maybe four new york comic cons since it started and it started as like this show that took up like a corner of the Javits Center to now taking up the entire Javits Center and like parts of the city, like moving outward. Like it's just this thing that's just swallowing up a good portion of New York every year. And it's so much fun. I, I love it so much. Anything that's more horror, more comics, more nerd. I, I, you know, it's funny. I'm honestly okay with it. And like, you know, some people get really upset. They're like, I don't want there to be more people into the thing I'm into. I'm like, no, I'm fine with more people being into what I'm into. Yeah, yeah that's great gatekeeping. Um, yeah, no, the, the gatekeeping aspect of all this shit is so stupid. And I'm like, look, more, more, um, 
you know, horror, you know, uh, gateway horror, more horror that people can watch that they can get into because they will get into all the stuff you like. Yeah. They will inevitably. And like, that's, that's just going to be a better world for everybody. Yeah. I, I do like that. It is mostly niche, but I will never not want more people to be into it because yeah, the more people that are into things, the more money that they generate, the more successful they are, the more we can have. So it's like, you have to be willing to share. Yeah. Otherwise you, you're going to starve out the industry. <laughs> Um, and the more but, people that are gonna figure out, find out about big dumb monsters and your horror show, and like they're they're gonna want to listen and like interact and be a part of all of the stuff. Like I, that's to me, I'm like this is inevitably a good thing for the entire industry when people can 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 get into things. That's why I'm like new Goosebumps show, great, sounds good. New new Hocus Pocus movie, I don't, you know, look, I might not be for me, and that's yeah. okay. But yeah. like at least people like them, and they go, I want to watch more stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, you have, have to, to kind of break it down, down, like not necessarily by category, but like there's your hardcore horror fans who are into all the underground, the grindhouse, the you know all the you know the 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 really hard to get stuff, and then there are the people that are into just casual fans, the people that like Hocus Pocus, like you know it's been a staple of their childhood. They're they're into that. That like that's my wife. You know she doesn't like all the crazy monsters and blood and gore and shit that i love but i can see that she's like you know she'll occasionally attempt it and it's not for her but she's willing to try so i'm willing to go like okay well you have that you have your hocus pocus shit and i'll i'll buy you those toys because that that gets you what you want and it kind of keeps the cycle moving but man do i miss the hunt for a movie that nobody has because yeah. it was not popular at all. You know, like scouring the 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 movie markets and, you, and you, stuff like you that. You really need to come to LA then because you need to go Amoeba. That's 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 the holy grail right there, man. Is going to Amoeba and just walking through the amount of amazing DVDs that that place has. It's fucking awesome. So, yeah, they do a um, they do a series. Well, they were doing it for a long time. I don't know. If they still do. It was called What's in My Bag. And, oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. have celebrities coming through, and like just like you know, a famous musician, and they what like what is what are they gonna buy? What records are they interested in? And like it's crazy. You get these guys who are in like Slayer, and they're buying like jazz records and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking amazing. I love it. I know. I, I went there the other day, and I bought a Dawn of the Dead collector's edition dvd set of the original dawn of the dead film and then i bought there was it was also there's another film called channel 13 which is a horror anthology i've never seen mm -hmm. and then um the last one was oh god what was the last one? Oh, i got a i got a mystery science theater 3000 uh dvd set which had merlin time chasers oh, oh, oh i know that set oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. yeah yeah Time it was it, it, that that was the creme de la creme set of just yeah. like yeah. great episodes i mean is that Merlin the one that had manos like, <laughs> no it has it doesn't have manos I, I i have it here but it says yeah it's merlin time chasers and there's one more other great mike one that's on there that i'm like my god this is just a killer oh, set it's not mitchell so, is it no, it's not. That's what another was classic it? It was one of the movie. But anyway, Merlin for me though is top five. I mean that that is just one of the greatest episodes of that show. So Time Chasers is the one with like Brit Slamfist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's 
he's got the guy with the huge chin in it yeah, yeah. and he's like yeah i'm 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 bob evil yeah, yeah. he comes out Blast like, hard cheese. <laughs> i think my favorite one was uh the horrors of spider island yeah because every time one of the I women would one. show up, it was like, the horrors of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. my, my ultimate favorite episode of that show, though, and I can, I'm so glad we can talk about this because I will always talk about it, is The Undead, the Roger Corman film that they do. Um, yeah. And it is fucking terrible. It makes no sense. And But the end of the show has, like, the best skit ever where it's Bobo like making himself a sandwich and he's like like talking to himself as he's putting on like copious amounts of mayo and like oh. gross shit on his sandwich and at the very end he's like thinks that this is roast beef but it's really brain guy's head and so he starts <laughs> chopping it and then the brain guy you can hear him like ah like in the background like hurting it's 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 hilarious and i just i i laugh I, I, every every time I, I take an edible, I watch that episode. And I just, I just <laughs> cackle. So yeah, it's great. God damn it! Oh, that show was so good. Yeah, they were like. Oh yeah, it, I was gonna say because of the Mitchell episode. I, I, there was. There I was gonna say I love the we I love the new season that, that they did. The new that? season that they did of it was great. The new season that they did of it was great. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Yeah, it, the, the, it was the, missing a little bit of the charm, I think, because it like it didn't feel like a public access television show anymore. But the the the, the, the episode I loved was when they did um, Munchie. I loved Munchie. Yes. I thought that one was fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a horrible movie. I mean, god awful. Yeah. So. <laughs> god damn it. Uh, we've been talking for just about two and a half hours, so it's probably <laughs> yeah. a good place to wrap this up. Hasn't felt yeah. like that. No, no, it just blew by. Yeah, like thank you yeah, again. Thank you so much for stopping by and talking with us, man. Are you really kidding me, man? That. This was great. You guys are awesome. This was so much fun. Um, I, I, I absolutely love chatting, chatting it up about this. And thank you so much for just supporting the show and listening to the show. It really means a lot. Yeah, thank you for being on. We would love to have you back again. Uh, this yeah, been, let's do it. This has been like the most fun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, tell yeah. everybody where they can get the show, where they can get at you on social media and all that. hundred percent. Yeah. Your horror show is on all podcast platforms right now. So Spotify, Apple podcast addict, overcast, wherever you get your show. We currently have six episodes out. I'm sure by the time this episode releases, we'll have our seventh episode out this week, uh, our Halloween special. And then, um, yeah, we'll have at least probably three to five more episodes out this year before we take a little break and then get back into it again. So excellent. Awesome. Um, yeah, let's let's give our socials. All right, we will give our road. socials. Our website is www.bigdumbmonsterspodcast.com. But if you're way too lazy for that, it's also www.bigdumbmonsters.com. Uh, our TVs are not weird. Um, we are on Facebook. Uh, if you want to find us on Facebook, it is Big Dumb Monsters Pod. Uh, if you have any suggestions for the show, uh, suggestions for beers that we should drink, uh guests that you would like to see on the show you go ahead and email us at bigdumbmonsters at gmail.com uh let's see what else do we have uh we are on slasher the all horror social network uh it's a great place to be we are big dumb monsters podcast uh you can find us on steam occasionally sometimes we play video games on there uh big dumb monsters and you can find us on Instagram. I'll take it from there. Yeah, that's my last one. Yeah. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram and threads at big underscore dumb underscore monsters. Uh, if you are not watching the show live, you can always catch us live, usually every Saturday night on Twitch. 
uh, at twitch.tv slash bigdumbmonsters. You can also check us out on YouTube at bigdumbmonsters. Uh, be sure to like uh, some videos, come subscribe to the channel. Uh, you can also stop by our merch store on TeePublic. Stop by the Big Dumb Monsters store. Uh, and that's going to do it for our socials. Yeah, we will leave you with our weekly words of wisdom. Do not let ghoulies eat your ass. And never sleep in a deathbed. Bye-bye.